Hello everybody, it's 40k lore time, and we're gonna learn about things and waste all your time. Hey, um, welcome back to Foxtrot Battleline. I know we kind of took a little hiatus there. Corey and I were traveling and um, getting kind of swept up in life, but moving forward, um, we'll be releasing our episodes on Sundays, uh, Sunday nights at eight um, every two weeks. So uh, we have a more regular schedule moving forward. And um, we're here today um, with Colin Ward. And uh, hi, Colin. How's it going? <laughs> Fantastic. How are you? Good, good. Um, we're very excited to have you, and thank you so much for coming on. And um, yeah, Corey and I will be picking Colin's brain about painting and all things 40K. So um, Sounds good. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, so without further ado, uh, Corey, you kind of want to get... Corey's a little bit more of the painter here, um, as opposed to me. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, I mean, I, I'm not going to be too coy here. I've known about Colin's work since... So, when I first started in 40K, like two, three years ago, the first podcast I really jumped onto was Independent Characters. And uh, it led me through a lot of learning and growing pains. And the one person they kept talking about over and over again is uh, Colin Ward. Um, Colin's a good friend of some of the people over there, I understand. Yeah. And uh, yeah, right? So yeah. every time they are constantly talking about the Thousand Suns army you painted. <laughs> so Which gives me PTSD uh, every time they talk about it. Does it? Because like every time I hear somebody like getting one, it's just like, man, it's gonna be tough. Yeah. It's um it's it's a high effort, high reward army for sure. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I actually used to live in I used to live in Cal they used to be my gaming group was all the independent characters guys, uh, before I moved to Idaho. So um that's how i that's how i got to know those guys uh was kind of mutual friends and then um that was just my gaming group when i was living in san jose so you jumped from all the independent character guys and then moved over to boise idaho where yeah. you then got in with the battle host guys so you just kind of yep. jumped from awesome podcasts to awesome podcasts yeah Seems i mean like, i don't uh, want to say you know they pick they pick good guests but um <laughs> No, I don't, I don't know what it is. It just, um, you know, I like, I like people that, um, you know, are active in the hobby. They're, they're on top of it. They're, they're gaming often. And, and so it just kind of, you know, drawn to, um, to those kind of people that are active in the community and, um, you know, the battle host guys really bridged, uh, Mark and Matt and Sean and, they really bridged a, a gap between, um, you know, the purely narrative play that I was doing in California and then coming out here, it's, it's a little more competitive minded, which was a four letter word when I moved out here. They really helped bridge that and kind of get down to, you know, it's really more about who you're playing versus kind of the rules or the missions or, you know, things. So, so yeah, I don't know. I'm good. For, you know, this is the same with the Splinter, uh, Splinter Mind guys were down there in uh in san jose too so nice. i don't know what it is about you podcasters <laughs> and uh we're gonna take this as like a silent blessing that uh now that we got you on here hopefully that'll help us out a little bit the colin <laughs> guaranteed <Ward bump. laughs> guaranteed yeah <laughs> um, 
Yeah, we're obviously a pretty nascent podcast, so um, we're still growing our community, and it's really great to have someone of your caliber on today. So, again, thank you. Oh, you're too kind. <laughs> um, how long have you been playing 40K? Uh, I guess walk us through that, playing, painting, you know, around the hobby. Yeah, so, I mean, like a lot of people, you know, I when I was a kid, there was a, a toy store you know, locally that, that had kind of all different things, but also had Warhammer. And um, I played mostly Warhammer Fantasy and like Necromunda when I was, you know, nine or 10 to, you know, maybe 13 or so. Um, and then, you know, high school and, and college and all that just took over and, and left the hobby for a lot, I don't know. 15 years at least. Uh, and then I got back in uh, about eight years ago, I'd say. Um, so I got sober 10 years ago and was just kind of playing video games and hanging out and going to meetings and stuff and, and felt like I needed kind of a more uh, rewarding like hobby than playing like, you know, major league baseball on, on PlayStation. So, uh, <laughs> I kind of checked out, I was like, Oh, well, you know, I really like painting miniatures. Cause at least at the end of that, I have like some show for it. Yeah. Um, that and, and the girl that I was dating at the time who I later married, um, hated just sitting there. And while I play video games, like she just, she just wasn't going to do it. Like she just wasn't going to come to the house. <laughs> so I was like, well, shit, I, got, I have to figure something else out. Cause I want her to come over to the house and hang out with me. So, um, so then I started looking up, uh, you know, models and stuff like that and and uh, went back to the game store that I had gone to uh, when I was younger and met a couple of guys working there and uh, got, I think it was the Assault on Blackreach set with the orcs and, you know, mm. some paints and everything. And then it was just, That's it was pretty all old. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was, that was at least, I'm trying to, married seven years and, and i I got back in, you know, before that. So fifth, sixth edition ish. Sixth, yeah. I think. Okay. So let me can I ask you a quick question. Did she yeah. know about Warhammer before she married you? Um yeah, before she married me, yeah. We were still we were still just dating when when I started back in the hobby. Um and she she thought it was just a really cool not cool in the sense of like you know, being a professional athlete, kind of cool, but like, you know, it was, it was <laughs> artistic and it was expressive and, um, that, you know, her, her family has, uh, her sister's a studio artist, her brother's a stage, a stage act. They've been surrounded by art and creativity, uh, their whole lives. So, mm -hmm. um, that part of it kind of resonated with her and, um, you know, I just really enjoyed it. So, uh, she's always been hugely supportive of me uh, and my hobby, so very lucky that's, for that. That's really amazing. I, it's just a, it's my favorite story to tell is that I got married and I've always wanted to play Warhammer growing up, and I never got a chance. And I got married and I got a good job, and then finally everything fell into place. And all at once, within like one summer, I had two thousand points of Blood Angels. And my yeah. wife had no idea it was coming. She was like, what is this? You want it? What, it? what are you talking about? And like, 
she's supportive. She's amazing. But it's one of those, like, she never signed up for this level of nerdiness. Right. So <laughs> she's like, I didn't know this was coming. So that's why I had to ask that question. I was like, I just want to know if she knew what was happening. I mean, she knew she knew that I had like a hobby. She didn't know that like <laughs> you know, I haven't I haven't received like an actual paycheck in like the last year because I've been doing Patreon and commissions and stuff. So like I don't think she kind of foresaw the uh the extent to which this would be just what I do now. Um but you know, she, you know, when I said that I want to do the Patreon, she was all for it and we sat down and we kind of talked out you know, kind of a plan and, and I've always kind of talked through, you know, just kind of my ideas for that and how we're going to work and set, you know, goals and stuff like that. So, um, in that sense, she's always been, you know, a huge, huge support for me, um, which I'll, you know, forever be grateful for. So. Absolutely. So, uh, sorry, Corey. I, no, I guess I, I just have so, a, yeah, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Um, I guess how is your life like, so you know Corey and i are not commission painters um right. well hopefully Corey, that's kind of what he wants to do eventually but how do, has your life changed and kind of your uh relationship to the hobby after um you kind of made that transition yeah so that's a great question um commission painting's tough you know and it and it is it's tough because this thing that you do to relax and this thing that you do for an outlet and, and this thing that you do to kind of, you know, just take a break from the world now becomes work, right. Or like a significant portion of it becomes mm -hmm. work. So, um, that's always a tough balance to strike. It was, it, I was working in the restaurant business for a long time and I'd left the last restaurant that I worked at. Um, I started kind of posting stuff. This is like five years ago started posting stuff to, uh, you know, do commissions. And originally it was just like selling stuff that I had painted like yeah. on eBay and stuff that, that, that has longer time frames than commission painting. And then, you know, I get one commission and then you get another. And then, you know, I've, I've been kind of busy for five years, but <laughs> well, that's good, I guess. Right. And then here <laughs> It it is. Uh, don't don't take on too much at once, which is my biggest mistake in in commission painting. Is kind of overestimating how much I could paint in how short of a period of time. Um, that was one of the biggest pitfalls for me. So then my my time windows just get longer and longer. Um, instead of just saying, "Hey, I'm booked. Talk to me in two months," you know. Um, so anyway, but it. it it's tough to balance because for me, I would always prioritize obviously the commission work first. And so what happened is like, I wouldn't paint anything for myself for, for months. And, um, then the hobby is just work and yeah. that's, and that's not ideal. Of course. There's a, there's a balance there, uh, between work and hobby. Um, that's tough to strike because I always, I, even when I'm working on my own stuff, I'm like, man, I should be working on X or I should be working on Y or, uh, um, so you feel kind of guilty about not, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'm like, Oh, people are waiting for their models. I should be painting those. But at the same time, like, you know, I'm human. I need a, I need a break. Right. <laughs> right? Plus I'm so, sure you want to uh, play your own armies too, you know? So. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. So, 
it it totally changed the hobby, but then you know it's opened a lot of doors for me. I get to paint. One of the things I love about commission painting is that I get to paint a bunch of stuff that I would never play. Mm. Um, my disdain for Tau in 40k <laughs> is is widely known. Um, uh, I, unfortunately, I just... we lean towards that disdain as well <laughs> here. So <laughs> my heart it's... is swelling right now. <laughs> you know it. Uh, I just don't like them. I love painting Tau. <laughs> I love painting Tau. Tau models are so fun to paint. Like they just have having... they take the airbrush so well, yeah. the edge highlighting. Like they're they're great to paint. I love painting Tau. I actually painted Brian Ta- Brian Poland's Tau army. Um, that oh, he no won. Way. Yeah, the the gray and yellow Tau that that he has. Um, but I I don't ever want to see them across the table ever. So <laughs> especially not if Brian's playing. <laughs> I think that's a but, common feeling a little bit sometimes. So <laughs> yeah. So you know it. So in that sense, like it's it's enabled me to you know, and I don't want to feel like I'm I'm poo pooing. You know, oh, I have such a hard job that I get to paint miniatures, right? So, right. No, um, but you know, with every so job, there are pros and cons, and um you know, like you said, balance and yeah, it's uh yeah. I just had that question because like, obviously anyone who kind of plays 40 K enough eventually is like, man, I wish I could do this full time. But at the same time, I bet there's certain trade-offs that, you know, Corey and I don't really have that perspective on. So. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's not for everybody, mm-hmm. you know, it is, it is definitely, I've seen plenty of people try and they go, wow, this, this is terrible. You know, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. You know, it's just you just you. Ha- it's a completely different approach. Like when I'm painting my own army versus army, you, it's. Do you think you put in? Um, well, I know, like most commission painters, you probably have like tiers, maybe. Um, no, no tiers. Oh, okay. I paint. I paint to the, <laughs> that was one of the first things I did. Was I got rid of the tiers? Okay. Because what I was doing was I was taking commissions for a lower tier and then being like, "Oh man, I don't want them to look like that." And then I just uh. keep painting them. <laughs> so, like, no, I want them to look nice, and, right? And I paint for what I was getting paid for. Um, so the, the clients were stoked, but yeah. you know it. It, it's not a good business model. So right. uh, I ditched tears pretty quick. Uh, okay. Well, that's good to know for anyone who wants a commission job done for me, right? So. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, you know, I let people, like, people message me and say, oh, I want a, you know, 2000 point army to. And I say, you know, it's just not, that's just not, I'm not the right guy for that job. Hmm. You know, here's a couple studios that do that, that kind of work, but that's not that's not the kind of work that I do. Yeah. Um, I don't look down on it. I think, you know, whatever works the painter and the client is great. Um, Mm. but I don't have to be everything to everyone. Right. Yeah. Cool. Um, Um, on that note, do you like, do you keep timetables for your commission painting? Like, is there like a, a limit you make for yourself when you do that? uh, I mean, for a pro like an hour limit for a project, well, let's say like uh, if someone was going to get an army painted by you, do you usually give them, do they give you a window or is it just like an open-ended when they're done, they're done? It's more of an open-ended when they're done, they're done. Um, especially on large projects because I I jump around so much that mm-hmm. I really I really can't 
just nail down, okay, this will be done in four weeks. Like I just haven't figured that part out yet. So I wish I could, um, that would make my life a lot easier, but, uh, you know, it's just not, I'm just not that structured when it comes to my painting, but when I'm painting an individual project or an individual, like a Necromunda gang or, okay, I'm painting these nine, you know, ad chicken. Um, I have like an hour target for that part of the project. I'm like, okay, I'm, mm-hmm. I need to, I need to build and paint these in under 25 hours, let's say. So I'll kind of mentally track that, but some like smaller projects, I'm like, yeah, I can get this done in six weeks or four weeks or whatever it is. But larger projects is just, it's just a lot. Like if I'm going to spend 250 hours painting an army and I can spend 25 hours a week commission painting, then 10 weeks of work minimum, but I'm not going to be working on it 10 weeks straight. I have, I have other projects I have to slot in there. So it's fluid. And how do you, so I saw that you, um, you just finished like an insane amount of uh, space wolves. Um, recently yeah how 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 long did that <laughs> i think you said on your instagram post about a year for like- w- i was actively working on it for a little over a year oh, wow. yeah wow. so it ended up being about 6500 points of space wolves wow this is, this is <laughs> going back to you know, when we started talking about commissions about not overburdening yourself, mm-hmm. um, this is this was my fatal flaw in my commission was taking on too much and then bouncing between those projects to the point where they all pushed out. You know what I mean? So avoid that mistake. Um, and and uh, just and just take on, you know, what you could see yourself finishing in the near future mm-hmm. and then take on something else, take on something else. Because if you're good and, and the work you do is good and, and your prices are good, you know, people will come to you. I was always afraid of stopping getting those messages. Right? Mm-hmm. I'd be like, well, if I don't take this job, when's the next job come? And I forget that, like, I've literally never not had a commission in four years. It's okay to say, you know, talk to me in a few months so available because I'm, I'm too busy right now. Yeah. Um, sometimes you lose that person, but, you know, Fortunately, I've, I've had other people, you know, come, you know, a month later, two weeks later, or whatever it is. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just it was a fear based kind of thing. And that's never a great emotion yeah. <laughs> decisions on. So. Um, so, no, it took I mean, thankfully, I have I have I develop relationships with clients, especially with big, big projects. Um, so, you know, I'm talking to them and, and we're kind of mapping it out and um you know, six, uh, painting a sixty-five hundred point army to that standard takes takes some time. So yeah. that's he's happy. pretty crazy. So that's honest. all I care about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, do you ever get like, I guess, like a loss? You know, because some models, uh, just from anyone you know who's painted before, um, some some models you just kind of get wrapped up in, or some squads are there certain projects that you've accidentally like under predicted time because you got kind of swept up in it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, unfortunately it usually happens when I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm going to take a break from commission work for 
three days and like finish this squad or whatever it is. And then it ends up taking me a week to finish the squad uh, <laughs> of my own stuff. And I'm like, oh, I need to get back to work, you know. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's because it's like an artistic endeavor. It's it's I'm not going to let something leave my table if I don't like how it looks. Right. Just because I'm, I'm like, oh, well, I've hit my 20 goal or whatever it is. I'm OK. It's done. You know, if it takes two or three more hours or four hours or whatever it is, that's that's how long it takes. I want it to be, you know, to a certain standard before I let it leave the the workbench. So I definitely I definitely will get caught up in in certain projects or certain um, even just part project and be like, wow, I spent I spent a really long time on these uh, on these you know, dreadnoughts or whatever it is. Mm. Um, but they look good. So, right. you know, well, at that's this all point, at the end. That's all that really matters too. You're kind of, uh, you know, it's like your brand, so to speak. So I can see where you wouldn't want, <laughs> you know, to send someone something that kind of wasn't up to your own artistic standard. Yeah. I want, um, I want my, my clients to feel like they're getting, what they're getting what they expected you know and um that they feel like they got a good value for what they paid you know i don't i'm not i'm not cheap <laughs> to 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 get commission work done um so i i really to meet those expectations exceed those expectations um and so far i think i've been pretty successful in doing that so um you know, I don't, I don't want to end up on a, on a YouTube clip somewhere <laughs> going, man, look what he sent me, you know? So, um, so no, I think, uh, you know, I always send pictures and stuff as I work and, and at the end and, you know, make sure the client's happy. So as long as they're happy, you know, I've done a good job and, and, you know, just keep on, just keep on painting really. Yeah. Um, on that note, on the note of brand, um, what would you say, because I've, I've looked at your paintings, I've looked at all of your models, and I'm, I'm a big fan, and it's, I could point out a few things myself, but what would you say specifically um, is like your style? Like, what do you think, Colin Ward, if I was going to you for a commission, what do you think sets you apart from other artists? Mm, that's a good question. Um, man, I, I gave this some thought after you sent this earlier. Um, I think just like, just kind of like bold using colors, um, really saturated colors, I think for the most part. And, um, I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> kind of, uh, I could tell you <laughs> it's a question. I'm, I'm very, um, I wouldn't say self-critical. I, when I look at my own stuff, so I, I don't know, I don't really look at it and go, wow, like, Hey, I do the, I, mm, I don't want to phrase that. I will, I will say, <laughs> Oh wow. I really like how this looks, you know, but I'll notice, Hey, I wish I'd tightened this up. I could have done this better. You know, I kind of cut a corner here by doing X and Y and it looks fine, but I know that I could have done it a different way or something. So, I mean, I think as far as, I think as far as my, Think just just using those really bold colors um and especially with like the blood angels and stuff just doing uh the kind of subtle weathering and 
kind of more, I guess, like realistic weathering. I'm not a big like OSL guy. Um, I use a lot of pigments, a lot of oils uh, for mm. that kind of grittiness. But yeah, so I don't, I don't really know. I think maybe I'd say I paint like a more realistic style, like when it comes, especially when it comes to things like weathering. But the colors that I use aren't really a realistic style. I mean, my Nihon army is like magenta and turquoise and, Hmm. you know, so it, I, I lean towards really saturated colors and really kind of, uh, bold palettes for the armies that I paint. Um, so I don't really, I don't really know. I'd be interested to hear what, what you, what you think (laughs) my style is. I think my big one was looking at it. The big first thing I noticed was your use of weathering was a big one because there's a lot of choices that come into it where you look at your and I, I'm I'm biased because I'm Blood Angels fanatic. So like you look at your Death Company and just the X's on the Death Company, like every single one, like that's a weathering choice people don't think about. You know, what I mean, so like if you look at Colin's work. It's a lot of you look at the Death Company and everyone has their big bold red X's, but if you look at Collins, he decided to cut out the middle of the X and have it as if that's worn out. And it's like choices like that that I think sets your work apart for me. Mm-hmm. If there's a lot of character work that gets put into it that I feel like there's an easy like just paint it, get it out, edge highlight it, make the client happy. But when you look at your work, it seems to be it looks as if you sit down and think about the character more and it, it's just it it makes it for me a lot there's that there's a lot of a lot of the faces you paint seem to have an extra step of thought to it um i don't know if that's something you can quantify into painting exactly but for me when i look at other people's work and i look at your work it's kind of one of those like oh i get that i get that thought um, yeah yeah i think i think that's that's a that's a good observation because um, and thank you. Um, <laughs> well, you're I, welcome. Especially when I'm doing weathering, I'm, the, I'm pretty much entirely self-taught. So, and just kind of, well, and just, you know, watching YouTube videos and stuff like that. Um, and a lot of the resources, I started doing weathering, you know, five or six years ago, probably. And a lot of the resources, uh, were military modelers and so that was really where i got kind of my baseline uh knowledge was more from the military modeling than you know uh the fantasy side the 40k side of things where you know you do think about you know so i kind of trained myself or that that quite you know in those resources kind of trains you to think of okay well where would actually get the most damage where would mm-hmm. things actually impact the armor would it it's not it's not going to be on top of the dreadnought you know maybe a little bit of stuff here and there but most of the wear and tear is going to be you know on the extremities on the feet on the on the hands on the the front of the the chest where you know it's more of a target but like the dreadnought or you know underneath the arms on the space marine that's not going to get a lot of impact wear you know, versus the shoulders, the knees, the the lower shins, and things like that. So, I I there is an intentional kind of approach to the weathering where I'm like, yeah, this this would be you know the the red X's for example, the Death Company 
that paint theoretically the, the armor's painted black and then the red X's are applied or whatever it is, but the red is going to be part of the so that's going to chip along with the the shoulder the black part of the shoulder mm-hmm. so top of the chipping so there's there's a lot of thought that goes into um that goes into how would this be weathered how you know how am i going to do this so that your chips are underneath and then you know there's some smaller chips and some dents um one of my favorite things to do is to use kind of the edge highlight color uh, as kind of a very light touch for the chipping uh, to kind of just show areas of the armor that maybe were just scratched. They would, the paint didn't actually fully chip. Because mm-hmm. um, if you look at like a car or something like that that has scratches, those scratches aren't always all the way down to, you know, the metal or all the way down to primer. Like the, sometimes they're just... You know, but they're the same color as the body color on the car. They're just lighter. So things like that 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 I think kind of give it that more realistic look and that more intentional look. Um, so it's definitely it's definitely on purpose, I think. That's what and, uh, I'm trying to say. Yeah. Colin, something like I Oh, you got something? Uh yeah, just so um Corey knows this, but I've been <laughs> lightly experimenting with weathering so i guess my question for you is what are the you know colin ward's weathering essentials i guess <laughs> yeah less is more less is more less is more um the the biggest kind of learning curve uh for weathering i think for everybody i mean when i started kind of playing with chipping and and chipping fluids and what and weathering powders and stuff um, I was painting a uh, horse heresy death guard, which is mm-hmm. epitome of, you know, kind of grinding, dirty, you know, kind of armies. And I mean, these guys were like up to the waist in weathering powder. You know? <laughs> so it's just like, wow, this stuff is great. I'm going to use, you know, all of it. Um, and so <laughs> it, you kind of lose at a certain point, you know, you can lose kind of the integrity of the model and the, it becomes more about the weathering than it does about kind of the model itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can you can go a long way with just sponge chipping and you know a little bit of pigment work, um, very light and um, oil washes, you know okay. things like that. Um, oil washing is one of those things that I'm I'm kind of a big advocate for, and and it's something that I use all the time in my painting um and it seems like it's one of those things that that it seems more comp way way more complicated than it is and when you think about like oh man using oil paints and all this like it just seems like this whole other you know like when people think about airbrushing they're like god that's a lot of that's a lot of stuff that's a lot of learning that's a lot of experimentation and oil oil washing is is like one one hundredth of that so it's always a technique that i recommend people try um and kind of stick with it because it it adds a little bit of grittiness um and it's so much more efficient say pin washing or you know similar techniques like that um i just love it i i use it on most so if nothing else we walk away 
experimenting with oil washing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, yeah, oil washing and then just sponge chipping, like just okay. have a have a soft touch. You know, one of the one of the things I think people do is that is they they press too hard. It's just it's it's these little things that like press too hard. You don't ever want your finger to like touch the model. You just want the sponge to touch the model. You can always pick up more paint and go back to the model. Um, and just just be intentional about where you're sponging. One of the, one of the things that kind of drives me crazy is when um, you know you see these like you know, these big chips like right in the middle of an armor panel on a tank, and you're like. Well, how did that get chipped and nothing around it got chipped? It's just this one, like, did a tree just, like, spear into the side of this thing and just not leave a scratch anywhere else? Like, this is just, like, it just doesn't make, it just doesn't make sense where it is versus, you know, chipping around the edges or, you know, just kind of being intentional about, um, right. about that. And I, you know, I do a lot of, uh, I, I, I look at models that other people have painted um, you know, critically. And I, and I, I look and I see what they've done and, and where they've put highlights, where they've put wear and tear on their tanks and, and just try and learn from people whose work that, that I really admire. MIG has a lot of resources available that they're a, a company that focuses on military modeling, but they have a ton of resources available. Um, AK has a ton of resources available. Um, have you ever um, used Vallejo's weathering paints? I have some right now. so um, just... <laughs> Like their washes and stuff? Um, I don't know. They have this weathering so, effects paint line. They're, they're kind of just... I just want to kind of say they're almost... Oh, like, like a, the snow and, and the yeah. goo and like all that stuff? Um, yeah, I, use, I have their snow. Okay. Um, I use... I'm trying to think... I know I use their washes, like their rust washes and stuff yeah. like that. I'll use. Yeah. Um, definitely use those. Um, I really like uh, AKs. Okay. Um, enamel. Enamel washes, uh, which you can use a, bit, a little bit more of an advanced technique, um, is enamel washes, enamel streaking, things like that. Um, but, yeah, the Vallejo products are good, AK, MIG. So, um, if you look up, you know, like they have YouTube channels and stuff that, that show off their products and, and they make it look really easy. Um, <laughs> it's not, it's not <laughs> that thin easy, coats. but yeah, <laughs> basically they just, I just, you know, just put a little bit of this pigment over here and like, poof, it's like, you know, dried mud from the Eastern front in 1943. And you're just like, okay, like, I'm sure, I'm sure it's not that easy, but, um, but it, it is it is a, it's a deep hole to kind of dive down once you start really kind of getting into weathering. It can be really overwhelming because there are so many products available. Yeah. But the the one thing you want to keep in mind is just have a reason for doing whatever weathering that you're doing. You want to have a reason for it, and you don't have to tell like, oh, this scratch was from you know the victory over the Tau at you know a six or whatever but you know you want to have the massacre of the town <laughs> right <laughs> you uh you want to have you want to be intentional about it 
you know, you want to think about it. You don't just want to go in there, just kind of slapping stuff around and, and, uh, and intentional and, yeah. and just kind of reference images are huge. Um, and something that I do before every project. So, yeah. Are there, um, certain armies that you wouldn't weather, you know, speaking of, well, I guess Tao you would, but like I'm thinking uh, Night Haunt, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, so oh, absolutely. And I think that um, my Night Haunts, my Night Haunts aren't weathered, but like they have rusty swords mm-hmm. or they have like really textured robes. That is actually one of the things that I've enjoyed playing with Haunts is kind of that, that contrast of this really just kind of bold... Uh, color with the glowy bits and then just kind of dark textured metallics and, and cloaks and stuff like that. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to do with my blood angels was that it was kind of turn that on its head as well, where everybody expects them to be like super pretty and clean and sharp and, you know, the golden and then just kind of turn that on their head and make them kind of weathered and a little scary. Yeah. Um, so, cause they're like not good guys. <laughs> These are not, <laughs> These are not guys you want to see. You, like, if they show up, the guard are like stoked, but they're also a little nervous because they could snap and just kill everybody. <laughs> so it, you know, they're just kind of walking a fine line. Yeah. Um, for me, weathered admech, just lore wise, just doesn't doesn't really like when I painted my admech army. I I didn't put any weathering on them. Just a little bit of grit or something here or there, a little dust on the feet. But as far as like rusty admech, like I just their their machines are holy to them. Like they wouldn't really let the they wouldn't right. let them get to that level where things are rusting and falling apart. Yeah. Right. Or um, Tau is another one where you could go either way. Right. Um, I feel like Farsight I, enclaves you might see more. Um, yeah, the Tau look really good weathered. I yeah. mean, weathered Tau, even like heavily weathered Tau, looks really good. Um, Andy Wardle's Tau are amazing other than like this kind of creamy gray color with orange markings and just like really subtle weathering. And I mean, that guy's insane, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, so like Tau and obviously like demons and stuff, um, custodies, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, custodies just sat around polishing their armor for 10,000 years. They're not going to be out there just, you know, Oh, we, we can go out in the galaxy and fight now. Let's just let our war gear go to, we shit. had a bad I mean, day, just, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and that's kind of this um, kind of speaks, you know, going back to just being intentional is it's kind of what's that line of weathering. You know, there's a whole spectrum of, okay, what I call like atmospheric weathering, like on like my type, let's say, where it's just like a little dust on the feet. It's just placing them in the environment. Mm. And then there's like kind of wear and tear of like battle. So, which is kind of more where my blood angels are. A little bit of chipping, some scratches, some dust, you know. But it's not, like, falling apart, rusted, um, kind of, you know, abandoned um, feel of, of, you know, Death Guard's the easy right. example for that. Even just, like, Imperial Guard that have been on campaign forever. <laughs> you know, things like that. So, you know, it's... I think there are a bunch. I mean, I wouldn't weather Luminith. I wouldn't weather. I mean, I feel like uh, AOS is much is, is so high fantasy that yeah. like 
whole lot of weathering to be done there. Um, Even but the in 40 Stormcast, K, you know, you may or may not weather just because they're supposed yeah. to be Sigmar's, you know, they're like custodies kind of. <laughs> right, exactly. Although, have you, like, have you seen do like dark cast for the storm um, cast some yeah have you seen it i mean they're, they're pretty, cool, some yeah. pretty incredible <laughs> projects out there but before we get too far afield um, <laughs> but yeah things um you know it's so i think if if you're gonna if you're weathering it makes sense on any army if it's done if it's done in a way that makes sense right you know with intention I mean? as you mentioned yeah yeah, and I think you can, you know, I think you can overdo it. Death Guard are very forgiving, though. So if That's you're true. experimenting with weathering and you're Death Guard curious, just, you know, pick up a few of those and <laughs> go to town because there's really no wrong way. Um, <laughs> but, like, I painted demons. My last my last army before this was, was Chaos and heavily, like, Zinch demons and stuff, and there's no weathering right. to be done on those. It's just, it's just bold color. and They kind of have and, that AOS... Uh, type aesthetic. Oh, yeah, right, where, yeah. you know, I mean, they're just manifested five minutes ago and then they're going to, you know, decomporealize or whatever, you know, 10 minutes from now. So, you know, they're not exactly, you know, out there getting beat up. So right. <laughs> it, um, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. So, yeah. Um, so I know we wanted to definitely uh, talk about, you know, uh, for newer painters. So I guess, uh, you know, Corey, you want to start so the asking big thing, those questions? Uh, well, I mean, so just to start off, and this is a point that you, when I gave you the questions, is the one that you picked out the most. I have a friend who also has a podcast, and this big thing, he's, I'm blatantly ripping him off, and I'm going to note it here so he also gets excited, but... <laughs> the point is, we're, we're the same uh, recording studio, so I don't think he'll he'll mind too much. Okay. But he has this thing at the end of every single episode where he says, because podcasts and everything that gets put on the internet um, is infinite, because things you put on the internet, if you put like bad pictures on the internet, they're going to be there for forever. Knowing that, if you could speak out into infinity, right? If you could say out to the world, to all the newer painters, if there's one piece of logic you can give to a newer painter, what would it be? If this is like, we're like, we're talking to Colin Ward and he's going to give you one big piece of advice as a new painter that is going to live on to infinity. What would it be? Okay. No pressure. I know it, it's a lot of pressure. Uh, it's a lot of pressure. I, can I break it into like three parts, but <laughs> is that cheating? <laughs> no, um, three parts is perfect. No, it's, Really, All the good biggest thing, trilogies. right? Uh, the biggest thing that I tell people is to stop comparing your work to other people, and I don't mean that in a sense of looking up to other painters or looking up to certain um, styles or techniques that want to learn to do or that you think are interesting, but. Stop looking at other people's models and asking yourself, well, why can't I paint like that? Or, God, I wish I could paint like that. Or, uh, you know, things like that. Those kind of, that, that kind of self-defeating narrative where you're like, oh, man, I'm never going to be as good as that guy. You know, and that stems from, because I used to do that all the time. I used to mm -hmm. 
you know, be painting and, and think I was doing really well. And, and man, I'm really learning a lot and I'm executing the way I want to execute. And, um, you know, and then I'd go online or go on Instagram or go on Facebook and be like, I might as well just light this whole workbench on fire. Cause it just looks like crap, you know? So it, there's this sense of like, man, I'm never going to, I'm never going to win a golden demon. Right. I'm never going to win uh, Monty Sansovino medal, right? It's just not, it's just, it's out of reach. And I'm just never going to paint as well as these guys. Well, then I read an article, uh, there was an interview with this mm-hmm. uh, painter, uh, Bohun, who I forget. If you don't know who Bohun is, B O H U N, insanely talented. And he painted this. Uh, thousand suns box dreadnought years ago and it had like a labyrinth painted on the armor and each pathway of the labyrinth was like painted in a gradient that made sense to like the others and then the the sideways paths of the labyrinth were painted in a different gradient and we're talking like two millimeter like passageways that all connect it's just completely insane and so I like I remember I like tried to do that on a backpack or a cloak or something and I was like, God, that that doesn't look anything like Bohun's dreadnought. <laughs> you know, like I'm just I just I'm just not as good as as he is. Right. And then I read an article and they were talking about that dreadnought and he said four hundred hours to paint that dreadnought. And I said, Oh, okay, so we're actually doing two different things. We're not doing the same thing, right? I'm armies in the time it took him to paint that dreadnought right and so and that's after he has been painting for like the last 18 years and i've been painting for three right so it it was a real eye-opener for me because it immediately just got rid of that whole kind of comparative mindset where i said you know I do how am i doing independent of how anybody else in the world is doing how do i feel i'm doing and you know it it was it was led me to kind of appreciate kind of what i do more and say and it allowed me to kind of make this break between okay that's over there what i do is over here what they do is over there. They do top level, com, com, you know, painting competition, Golden Demon. They spend 100, 200, 300, 400 hours a model. You know, most people don't even paint 400 hours in a year, right? That's over an hour a day on average painting. I'm fortunate that I paint a lot, but most people probably don't paint 400 hours a year, right? So, to devote that level of time to a single model just isn't in me. I would get fed up 40 hours in and just be like, you know, forget about it. Um, so for me, it, I would, I would recommend to people that they just, just compare your work to where it was six months ago or where it was a year ago or where it was two months ago and give yourself a break. You know, it's a hobby. It's it's supposed to be fun. And, you know, it is one of those things that um, 
you, I, I really have to be careful about kind of negative self-talk and, and creating a negative narrative for myself. Um, you know, I've struggled with you know, different times in my life and anxiety and, and things like that. And the hobby is one of the things that I use to kind of keep me, you know, one foot in front of the other. And so to have this whole trend of, of, you know, people posting and then say, oh, well, you know, it's golden demon level, but blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, there's so few people that do this that are even at that level. And unless you're painting towards that, it's apples and oranges. You know, yeah. it's unless you're sitting down and, and you're intentionally like, I'm going to be a competition miniature painter and I'm going to paint that style. I'm going to paint, I'm going to put that much work into every model, into every blend. You know, it's, it's not the same thing. Army painting is not the same thing. It's a whole different animal to painting GW box art, you know? So that would be, that would be, you know, one a of my advice is just don't compare your years of experience to somebody else's 18 years of experience and say GYI as good as him, you know, and, but the, the caveat to that is, you know, still, you still want to be inspired by other painters, right? You can't just like yeah. shut yourself in your room and be like, Oh no, I'm not going to look at what anybody else does. I mean, you can, but, um, so it's okay. Well, how did he do that? You know, and I'll look at, I'll look at painters. I try to find guys that paint armies, to a high level and say, okay, well, how did he do that? And how did, you know, Oh, that's interesting or mm, don't really like that. And just kind of over time developed my own kind of taste and my own palette. Um, but don't be afraid to reach out to people and ask them how they did things on the whole. I found that people are always willing to answer questions, you know, be like, Hey, how did you do that? Or, you know, not just, Oh, what paints did you use? Right. Because that's okay, but that doesn't really give you a sense of like how they did that. Um, and just reach out and ask them if you have a question. Just be like, "Hey, I really like how you painted the eye lenses on that guy. You know, how did you do that?" And ninety-nine times out of a hundred, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, like this." Or you know, sometimes they leave you on red or whatever. You know, people have lives, so um, it's it's a much more open and helpful and, and, um, community than I think maybe some people think it is. And, uh, for the, for the most part, everybody's like really willing to help out because that's how I learned. I, I asked people who I thought were like way too cool to ever answer a message from me about, you know, painting leather or something. And they're just excited to talk about painting, you know? Um, and that was, and that was, uh, you know, kind of a turning point for me where I say, Hey, you know, they're like, Oh, well go check out this channel or go check out this book or, you know, this is how I did, you know, X and Y. And, and they just share that knowledge. Um, and everybody benefits. Right. Yeah. So, I definitely want to like back up that statement. It's a big thing because like I'm a I'm big into painting and the biggest thing, growing up playing sports and all these things like everyone every one of your heroes is a little bit untouchable. You know, like playing different sports and you're like I can't ever be that guy. 
But when I turned the corner in painting was when I realized that like mainly, and it's, it's a big deal and I don't, I don't want to talk too much on it, but it, it's you and Vince Venturella for me. I'm, I'm a big fan of both of your okay. works and I'm a big this, fan of Vince's work too. <laughs> yeah. Hey Vince, if you're listening, uh, we're yeah. both a big fan of your work. Uh, but like the big thing is with those two, like I reached out to you for this interview or if there's yeah. any point where I look at your stuff, especially because we play the same armies, I'll look over and be like, man, that looks great. How did you do that? And you'll respond to me right away. And it's the same thing with like Vince, where Vince is like that untouchable fuck, like superstar to me. And like, I'll reach out to him and I'll get an answer within like an hour. And it's, yeah. it's a weird world we live in where our heroes are also at the same place as us. And so if there's any like newer painters out there, and I, I'm just doubling down on what you said, it's just very much don't be afraid to reach out to the painters that you think are impressive because they have been you and they've also like they are yeah. also just people we're all just a bunch of nerds sitting around painting toy soldiers i mean it's yeah. not like you know this is celebrity status with with 40k is is dubious at best but um <laughs> but no it's it's we we do that you know we all get into this and we all get into pain we we all get into this because we're passionate about some aspect of it right like whether it's gaming or painting or you know, people, some people just love buying models and assembling them, you know, it's, it's, but if you, you know, if you're really into gaming and, you know, you're really, let's say you're really into like tournament and you see somebody on BCP had a really cool list, I can almost guarantee you if you message them and be like, Hey man, I really liked your list. You know, can you tell me a little bit about it? They'd be like, sure. You know, this is, this is what this does. Or, you know, they just want to talk about the army because, this hobby is so time intensive and it's so labor intensive and it takes a lot to be really active in this hobby that you, you wouldn't really do it if you didn't love it. You didn't love talking about it. So, um, you know, it's, there are, I don't think a lot of people sitting around with large armies, large collections going, man, I wish I didn't have to do this anymore. You know, <laughs> you can, you can put it down and walk away from it. If you, if you don't like it anymore, nobody's going to hunt you down, you know? So it's the people that are, that are putting content, the people that are putting out, um, you know, cool lists or, or cool looking models. I mean, they're doing it cause they love it. So they like talking yeah. about it and it's uh, with the internet. Yeah. It's so accessible. Right, you just hit that message button and just be like, "Hey, you know." I was gonna say we're in a we're in the middle of Warhammer here, so there's no real like, it, there's no quarterback sitting in Malibu with all of his wives <laughs> like having no time for us. It's like everyone wants to talk about Warhammer. It's the great thing about the internet now. It's very much like we can reach out to those other people who want to talk Warhammer, and right. they will talk back to you because that's just another person to rebound off of. Right, absolutely, and that's. Uh, the other thing that dovetails nicely into my final kind of my third part of my first, uh, my one thing that I wanted to say, uh, which is, you know, uh, okay, I have two things. One, just because you like a technique doesn't have to, doesn't mean you have to aspire to do it, right? Like you don't have to level up to non-metallic metal, right? Like if you like it and you want to do it, great. But just learning non-metallic metal for non-metallic metal's sake doesn't like take your army to the next level you know what i mean like i don't know i feel like there's this i don't like weathering don't don't worry about weathering just just buy you know if you don't like painted faces mm -hmm. put helmets on everybody nobody cares it's your army that's exactly what you know? i do i mean <laughs> yeah yeah 
I I wanted to get better at painting faces, so I took a Space Wolf commission. Mm. A guy who hated helmets, and I painted a hundred heads of space <laughs> marines. You know, there's a part and of me that, better. like, when I did the research, I looked at all of your like faces, and I was like, man, he's yeah. really good at faces. Yeah. I love the work he does with faces. Now to hear you be like, man, I hate painting faces, or I hated painting faces. It's like a weird, like it a was, breaking of the third wall. Yeah, it it was something that I actively avoided for years and years and years and years and, and because I, I was terrible at it. Um, and one of the things that I did was I, I kind of, uh, Angel Geraldes is, is a f- just unbelievable painter. Um, his model masterclass books are really good. Um, not necessarily just for, cause they're all infinity and so they're mm-hmm. not really, you're not gonna see 40 K models in there, but, um, the way he uses, especially um, is really interesting um, and so you can just kind of see where he puts light and shadow and then um, I got a Vallejo paint set on like it's like a f- basic flesh paint set or a flesh paint set or I forget what the exact title is I'll send you guys a link but um, it has like the basic colors for painting a face and it has a little step-by-step like fold out piece of paper in it. And that was jumping off point for painting faces. And I basically got, uh, got a recipe down and got a kind of, you know, where do I put the shadows? Where do I put the highlights? Um, and then just repeated it, you know, a hundred times until I got better at it. And then with that base, I was able to do things like, my death company, which are more like sickly kind of vampiric purpley green tones, right? Like not the healthiest guys in the history of the world who probably haven't eaten in years, you know, other than just the blood of whatever random person they killed that day. So it's like, they're going to look sick. (laughs) Um, Sanguinius is a whole nother ball of wax, but that's the, and, best, uh, the best, best face I've ever painted. I don't know if I'll ever paint another face better than that I ever mean, in my life. Your Sanguinius is <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> it's, it's really good. It's really good. It's one of the best things I've ever painted in my life. And there's a reason it's like my profile picture on Instagram. Because it's <laughs> just like, oh, that's that I'm done. Like, I can retire now. I've done it. <laughs> and, 40K um, is over. Yeah. <laughs> and, but what I... But even what I did for that was I went and I looked for because what I do before every kind of every project, um, I'll I'll go look at reference images, right? So like before I painted Sanguinius, I went through and uh, I went through and just went you know hashtag Sanguinius on Instagram or Google image search Sanguinius and and I'll look at what other people have done with the model and just kind of see, okay, you know this is here's an metallic metal Sanguinius man, you know, but looking at kind of where they put light shadow and all that stuff so um for that model i i had a picture of somebody else's sanguinius's face up on my computer while i'm painting that sanguinius's face and just kind of going okay so that's a little more purple that's a little lighter over here and it took me like two hours to paint this face uh but which isn't that long but but I couldn't. I mean, it's literally one of the best things I've ever painted. And the the heartbreaking thing is not even mine. <laughs> it's 
I put it in the mail and I sent it off. So, (laughs) yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) So it's part of the, you know, part of the business. Do you ever check in uh, on it? (laughs) (laughs) How's he doing? Is he he okay? Does he miss me? (laughs) Probably, yeah. So now I just have to make sure when I do my own sanguineous that I have to somehow, like, at least match that, if not top it. So, um, but, um, but yeah, so faces are faces are a huge challenge. Faces are um, they're tough because they're the they're naturally the focal point of whatever you're painting. Um, so the eye drawn to somebody's face is just human instinct. So you can't hide when you're painting faces. You know it it um, it definitely. It definitely takes uh, a lot, a lot of practice. A lot of practice. I'm actually uh, that. That's a good way. Is I'm actually going to be doing a couple of face tutorials uh, for my Patreon. I'm going to be doing a, a kind of Caucasian skin tone face, and then a kind of dark skin tone face, and both making both of those kind of free to view on the Patreon, so you don't have to be a Patreon subscriber. Watch those. Um, and so I'll be posting those, I don't know, maybe next week, um, because it is, it's tough. Mm-hmm. And I think I have a pretty good system. Um, so I want to just, I just want to put those up there. But, yeah. Uh, I know that the last, I'm going to cut you. Uh, sorry. One last thing. I swear you got it. for the new <laughs> painter. Cause I'm, I just, I just want people to enjoy painting. <laughs> yeah. I just want people to like, like it. Uh, one thing that <laughs> is not just hate it. So many people hate painting. It's true. Um, which is valid. I mean, yeah. it's totally valid. If people didn't hate painting, I wouldn't have any commission business. Yeah. So yeah, it know. just, you know, exactly. uh, it, the one thing that the one is the most important thing to me is having a group of friends and a group of people, uh, some of whom I've never met in person. They just know them from online. But they're guys that I can send work in progress pictures to and get honest feedback. I don't I don't need to send work in progress pictures to have people blow smoke up my ass. Like I need to have a couple people with a good eye who I trust who will tell me, bro, what are you what are you doing? Like that no. You know, just walk away. You know, or or like, uh, I don't really think that works, or hey. That's a really cool conversion you did with Astarath, but the head looks weird. You need to figure out a different head, you know, and and having somebody that will kind of straight shoot you on feedback who has a good eye and who knows kind of what they're talking about um, is invaluable, invaluable, because I think that in general, the default is to just say, hey, you're doing great. You know, people just want to be supportive. So they're like, hey, you know, oh, these look really good, you know, or hey, you're doing great. And that's that's wonderful. You know, it's so wonderful that that's in general what you see when people post models. And but to improve your painting or to improve that specific model, it's not always helpful. So if you want critical analysis, you need to have people that you can message and say, Hey, what do you think of this? And know that they're going to be like, looks great. Then it's actually going to look great. Or 
hey, you need to fix X or Y, or, you know, have you thought about doing, you know, my, my friends aren't all dicks. So they're not just like, Oh, that guy looks like <laughs> crap. You know, <laughs> they'd be like, Hey, you know, this isn't working for me. Or have you thought of doing this? Or, you know, I'll just message them and be like, Hey, I'm thinking about doing, you know, X and Y for sisters of battle. And they're like, you could challenge yourself a little more. <laughs> like, don't, don't do bloody rose. Like you've painted enough red, move on, do something <laughs> else. So, um, that is invaluable to a painter who's looking to improve no matter what level they are. I mean, the guys who win golden demon have other people that they send their work to and say, Hey, give me a read on this. Everybody does it. Um, but it's more helpful than just like posting in a Facebook group and saying, Oh, CNC. Right. And then, Maybe somebody's like, oh, I used, you know, yellow contrast paint or whatever. And you're like, great, I don't use contrast. So that's not helpful, you know. So it, it's an invaluable resource. And um, it's something that I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't give up for anything. I mean, it's just, it's one of the, it's probably the most important resource that I have is my group of people that I send that I send, I send different things to different people, but, um, you know, people that are going to shoot you straight, not just people that are going to be like, wow, you're so great. You know, you'd be like, okay, <laughs> but this model doesn't look right. You need to tell me what's going on with this thing right now. Cause this, I know this is look right, you know? So, um, so that's really important, really important. It's kind of, it's, it's a little interesting that you say that it's, it's, I kind of live by that, like that creed. Like I have the biggest issue I have is with being impressive and I always want to impress people. So it's like a big double sided. Like if I impress you, I'm not happy, but if I don't, there's like a whole thing. So like my wife personally is my biggest cheerleader and also my biggest critic. And that's one of the big values I have in her. If she just stood by me all day and said, Hey, what you did looks amazing. I don't think I would be as in love with her as when she stands by me and goes, wow, that looks really great. But you see right. that line there and I'll look back and I'll go, yeah, I thought you wouldn't see that line. She goes, yeah, that line is definitely. So I think the biggest thing to cap off what I was trying to say is basically, I think what's really important to painters and it's, it's hard to take is that you need to intrinsically, and it's, it's very much what you said. You need to, build into your support system, not just people who are going to tell you how great it is, but also people who are going to be straight honest with you because it's the hardest thing to take. And it's, it's something I need also. Um, but I think I'm talking a little too much. I just, the big <laughs> thing for me, yeah. Um, there's, there's a whole, I tend to get personal when I talk. Yeah. Um, I, anyways, your show. Speak, yeah. Sad well, be here. <laughs> <laughs> I think I get closest to people when I start talking like personal things and we can go back and forth so I tend to like jump to that. I had like teachers that like reinforce that in us. So I get really into it. But my big thing with you as a painter and why I'm such a big fan is it's the same thing with Vince. It's there's the Angel Heraldus is out there. there. There's all these different painters who are amazing mini painters, but they're not Warhammer painters. Like there's a whole different world where it's like I could talk to Angel and we'll, we'll uh, if I talk to him or Rodrigo or Corey and, and we could talk about painting or i could talk about where my lighting background gets into his painting background but they're not warhammer painters first like they're not warhammer people and i think that's a big thing about you it's 
looking at your stuff, it, you can tell right away that Warhammer is your passion, or at least GW products are your passion. These yeah. stories that are very important to me and are very important to Steven, that everything is built upon is very important to you as well. And I think that's why I connect so much to your work over other people's works is that uh, very clearly you care about your army. And I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't get to budge in on, uh, I think I, I talked about it a little bit and you talked about it a little bit, but what is your army? Like, what do you play? Uh, my, my army is blood angels, space brains, the best army. <laughs> uh, is there anything specific that draws you to them over other armies or um yes and you know it so like at the end of last year um i generally only play i really only play like one army um it takes it takes me a while to kind of get the hang of playing an army um because i don't i don't sit around and, and kind of study rules and and you know th- play games theoretically or anything like that. Um, most of the time, if I'm sitting still in one place in, I'm painting. So, um, it takes me a lot of reps to kind of get an army under my belt. So for most of eighth, I was playing chaos. Um, for most of seventh, I was playing Admech, and I kind of finished towards the end of eighth. I kind of finished what I wanted to do with my chaos army um, I was playing Monster Mash for a long time with Magnus and Morty, uh, and then I kind of took that to its logical extreme, and I was playing Magnus and Morty and two Bloodthirsters, um, which was super fun list to play, <laughs> and then just Plague Bears because they're obnoxious. But um, did you have I Aramid kind of, in there? I know. Um, no no not okay. in the not in the magnus morty and um and it was scarbrand and a bloodthirster so i had two supreme commands with uh or two uh super heavy detachments with magnus and morty and then i had a demons battalion with um with the two bloodthirsters and at least i think that's how it went Mm, that's very cool it was so long ago but four giant things just running at you and (laughs) you weren't gonna kill like three out of the four before they got to you and any one of them will like ruin your day right so while the plague bearers just sit there and and cap objectives so it was a fun 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 list to play um and it fit my style which is like a really aggressive play style i want to like get to you and hit you in the face with an axe is basically mm-hmm. my entire like goal playing 40k because <laughs> um, i was an orc player long right. time. Like, okay. i was growing up i was an orc player <laughs> when i got back in the hobby i played orcs i played green tide i had 180 boys on the table oh, and i was my. just like here we go like <laughs> no subtlety boys and dreadnoughts i'm running at you and i'm gonna hit you in the face with an axe until you die it's funny, and that was um you it. mentioned that too because i grew up um tyranids and i have yeah. a very similar aggressive style um but for me it's about speed so naturally raven wing lists yeah um i love because they get in your face and Nowadays, with all the special rules for the Talon Masters and Samuel, yeah. you can really buff them. <laughs> and it's fun. You're running around. You're doing stuff, right? You're right. moving your models. You're zipping around. You're you shooting make stuff. cool noises. Stuff. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Um, but so that list, it kind of reached its, its like logical conclusion and there wasn't really, I was, I was kind of tired of grinding the hate wheel for chaos. Cause like you need, they're so neglected and they're just not, you just need so many parts to make them work. Right. It's just, it's a lot of work yeah. to make chaos work. And so, um, I kind of sat down and was like, okay, so this project is pretty much done. And my next project, I was kind of thinking about maybe I was going to do like a heavily converted gene stealer cult army, or was I going to do, um, you know, it was like Cody's army because I really enjoyed painting that army and then sold it. And then I kind of wanted to redo it. Um, and the first thing I asked myself was what, what do I like painting the most? Like if I could, if I had to paint, you know, what is the, the single model that I in painting more than any other model and it's the space marine intercessor was the answer to that question still is the answer to that question a year later is i love painting intercessors i think they're fantastic and i was like cool so i'll play space marines because i want to i haven't played space marines i've never had a space marine army until this one. Oh wow uh which is but it's true um <laughs> <laughs> so this is my first my first space marine army ever um, this is Blood Angels Army, but I've painted a lot. Oh, I'm sure. Marines, yeah, <laughs> don't belong, right? So, um, yeah, I've painted two Space Wolf armies, an Ultramarines Heresy army, an Ultramarines 40k army, and God knows how many other random Space Marine projects. Yeah. But, um, but I love painting intercessors. I, I just, I love airbrushing them. I think they just, they accept whatever you're willing put into them really really well and they're um, they're great models they did a good job they're, they're fantastic models and um just the the conversion opportunity the and so and it was a fun challenge for me because it's then okay but how do i make this my own how do i make it interesting and not just another space marine army right so and this is something that Mark and I talked about a lot, which was, you know, I can't, one of the things that, that attracted me to, so I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, I'm going to play Space Marines. What after am I going to play? I'm not particularly wedded to um, any, I wasn't particularly wedded to any one chapter, like, guys. Um, I'd always liked, you know, Blood Angels and uh, Dark Angels I thought were kind of cool. And um, uh, that's, it's the list isn't much. I mean, Imperial Fists look cool. You know, they're a little boring. I mean, until you read the Siege of Terra series, and they're a lot less boring. But uh, <laughs> especially after Saturnine, you're like, okay, Imperial Fists. I get it. I got it. <laughs> um, but, you know, White Scars, okay. Space Wolves, okay. I'd already painted like a bajillion Space Wolves, so I definitely was not going to do that. Um, you know, Ultramarines, okay. But when I was talking to Mark, like one of the things that's really important to me is to have have different things to paint and have different schemes to paint. Um, and so eventually and that it fit my play style and that I was honest with myself about my play style and that going to relearn how I play 40K and redirect how I played 40K to benefit like this army that I'm building Um so really as I narrowed it down, I'm like, okay, so blood angels have, 
you know, the red armor. They have Sanguinary Guard, which are gold. They have the Death Company, which are black. They have, you know, Apothecaries and, and Sanguinary Priests, which are white. And they have these different kind of... And then you can play off of those. And they have these different schemes within the army. Same thing with Dark Angels. Yeah. Where they have the green armor and the robes, and then they have the death wing and they have the raven wing. Um, and so it really came down to those two for me because uh. I didn't want to just, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't want to just paint like yellow forever, you know? And then if I wanted to get cute, I could like reverse the scheme and paint some squads black with yellow pads instead, or, you know, something like that. Like it just, the Space Marine armies, I think, a lot at a certain point, just kind of hit one note and yeah. then just that note. Um, and then it comes down to like technical precision and stuff like that. And, but for me, um, you know, I like that diversity of schemes. So, um, what it came down to was play style, uh, blood angels, obviously hyper aggressive, close combat oriented army. Um, and then I just thought it would be easier slash kind of better to for me to convert i knew i wanted to primaris scale all the mini marine units quote unquote so only primaris models in my army um because i'm i'm an apocalyptic collector is is like i collect armies apocalyptically so <laughs> when i played admech i had every unit in the admech codex when I played, you know, Zinch Demons, I had every unit, multiples of every unit in that, in that kind of vein, in that codex. So when you look at Space Marines, that's not realistic. Right. That's <laughs> thousands go, and oh, thousands of dollars, you know. <laughs> oh, like it's, yeah, it's years. It's years of your life that you're right. just like, yeah, I'll get everything. And there's just too much. <laughs> so I had to put, I had to put limiters on it somewhere. And so my limiters were... You know, I, I only want Primaris units or units that I can convert to Primaris scale, except for like vehicles, mm. right? So I have like Leviathan Dreadnoughts. I have a I have a Sicarian, stuff like that. That's like they're not Primaris vehicles, but they're too cool not to kind of slide in there. Right. Um, and I still have like twelve thousand points of Blood Angels. Right? So like oh even my. with the limitations, I'm like, you know, hey. Um I mean like twenty five hundred points of that is just characters. But yeah. uh it's so I, it was looking at Deathwing, looking at Ravenwing, looking at um Death Company Sanguinary Guard, things like that. I was it was just like Deathwing Knights are amazing. I yeah. think they're rad. I think they have one of the coolest kits in the Space Marine range. But I really, I was like, I, I can't primarily scale that. Like, I just, that's like, that's like sculpting level. Right. And I, and that's not a skill that I have. Um, me and green stuff do not get along at all. <laughs> at all. I can't get green stuff to stick to plastic. Okay. <laughs> like, I just, I just don't get it. So, and then looking at Blood Angels, I was like, I started to get kind of more ideas. Right, and I was like, oh man, well I could use Custodes bodies for the Sanguinary Guard and that would kind of make them big, kind of the same motifs so the the Aquilas and the Lightning and blah 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 and then, you know, I saw a couple conversions of Death 
uh, that were in Phobos armor, and they were a little lighter, but they had the jump jump packs that still worked, and they had the you know the Mark Seven helmets and stuff. And I was like, ooh, that looks cool. You know, I could I can steal that, and um, and then it just kind of snowballed from there, and and just kind of naturally went towards Blood Angels. Yeah. So um, that's a very uh, interesting. So um, you know, talking about army selection, that's a super yeah. cool way because that's totally different than I think. For example, I was attracted to Dark Angels mostly because, you know, you see some of that chapter's characteristics in yourself and you're like, oh, I can sit down and build and paint these because that's going to inspire me. And it right. seems like you're coming more from like a really cool painting perspective on yeah. a similar choice. So, yeah. Yeah, most most decisions I make in the hobby are like, do I want to paint that? Uh. You know, so like, I don't care how good centurions ever get. I could put 15 centurions on a table and auto win every game I ever played. I will never paint a single one unless somebody pays me to. <laughs> you don't like centurions? I hate, the model. I hate really? the model. I just don't like it. I don't like painting it. <laughs> I just don't like it. I won't have it in my army. I just and bought that's, some. So that's kind of why hey, I'm more laughing. More power to you. I get that people love centurions. I don't I don't care if other people love centurions. And if you know, if somebody wants to commission me to centurions with a smile on my face. But um, they just I just don't like them enough to paint them for myself. Mm-hmm. So Do they're just angels never gonna be in my army. Have access to them? I know some chapters still don't. Um, like they, Dark Angels. Yeah, not historically. They do not right mm. now. October so, they will though, so probably probably. probably. <laughs> I think I don't I think GW I can't keep forgetting what GW has said and what they haven't, so I'm like what? Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold hold I your think tongue. It's reasonable <laughs> to assume that they're gonna follow I mean I think they've said that the the Blood Angels, Dark Angels and Space Wolves will be codex supplements. Right. Right. They said that yeah. the other week. They're going to be codex supplements for like the main book, yeah, right? In and they're the all wrapped vein. in with the same units in in the ninth right. codex. So, so I think I think it's it's natural to assume right. that they'll follow the same. I think those, I think GW placing limitations on what you can take in your army is is an old model, mm-hmm. and I think that they're like why why would we like intentionally limit what we can sell to people. Right. You yeah. know, I mean, I don't think, I don't think black Templars is going to be running around with librarians, but yeah. you know, it, cause that just makes no sense. But it, I would think that those kind of artificial limitations for the most part are just going to go away. So, yeah. um, I'm just hoping they get the death wing keyword. <laughs> so there'll be some cool yeah. stuff you can do with death wing centurions. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like a pipe dream, but <laughs> Yeah, but they're like not terminal. Yeah, shop, reading your uh, your fan lore. <laughs> um, <but> yeah, <laughs> so most most decisions I'll make will be, do I want to paint that, and then um, how do I want to paint that? And part part of the f- what is so rewarding for me in the hobby is like figuring out that puzzle, and and figuring out how those pieces work together, kind of how. You know, am I going to use, can I find a green gray that works in a highlight on my death company? So that kind of is a little softer and it plays 
like really subtly plays off the red and the rest of the army or you know what am i going to base this army as that fits red and white and black and gold and you know so it's it's figuring out that puzzle that is a lot of the enjoyment for me and then executing it um and the blood angels just gave me a lot of opportunity to do a bunch of different things um the last few armies i played have been straight out of the box builds so like demons custodies admech i had built pretty much just out of the box and so i wanted to do a more converting more kit bashing um and just kind of develop those areas of of my skill set um because i hadn't done it i was a little rusty i hadn't done it in a while so that was important to me yeah of course um yeah I feel like your entire uh, point of view on that is my problem with commission painting. And, like, I love doing it. It's just very much like when you're like, do I want to paint that? Yes, I want to paint that. Let me buy that model. For me, I was playing against a Tyranids guy the other day, and it's unpainted. I'm looking at it. I was like, I want to paint that. I played against a Tau guy. I was like, I want to paint that. And he was talking about (laughs) – Steven was talking about Harlequins. I was like, yeah, I want to paint Harlequins. And now I have, like, three armies sitting on my floor (laughs) because – yeah. I don't want to play them, but I want to paint all of them. So yeah. it's like a weird, yeah. dangerous, slippery hole. It's it's tough because um, that's part of how I got backed up doing commission painting was, <laughs> yeah, I want to paint that. And I could probably get that done pretty quick, you know. And then that combo is like, well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I need to paint. Um but you know, it's thankfully I have I have very good, very patient and loving clients. I love you all, and um, you know they're happy. They're happy when they get their army. So uh, I'm that's all that matters to me. You know? Let me uh, let me segue that into like my biggest question I had for you, and I think that's sure. kind of my last question, unless Stephen has any more. Uh, my big one was, and it it came into question when we were talking about scheduling this interview, and a big thing was. Kids. So you have you have children, right? Yeah, um, uh, two kids. They're five. So my big thing with that is uh, having those responsibilities. How do you function as a Warhammer painter? Because sitting in COVID alone, I'm like, I still feel like I don't have enough time, even though yeah. I'm currently like unemployed, doing nothing. But this, um, how do you how do you finagle that life and this life how do you go around being a loving husband and father but also a talented painter uh given that it takes so much time and effort to become time effort and like skill hours paid into it to get to this point i don't sleep (laughs) (laughs) it's the it's the short answer um no i think it's a really good question and it's a really hard balance um it's a really hard balance to strike and um for me it's just it's been um you know when we were living in in san jose very very high cost of living right and so we had we had some good job you know we both had good jobs in, in california and uh, we were still renting blah 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 so the supplemental income uh, from commission painting was, was really helpful. And then moving to Idaho, cost of living goes, you know, there are other, other things going on. So supplemental income is always handy. 
you know, so it's, it's for the last like five years, it's been a job had. And like I said, my wife's very supportive. Um, and I paint after they go to sleep, you know, they're asleep by like eight o'clock at night, 98% of the time. Um, and I typically paint from, let's say eight 30, eight 15, eight 30 till probably 12 or 12 30 in the morning. And, and then I go to sleep and wake up at seven and, and do, do that. So, um, I drink a lot of coffee, a lot of coffee. Um, but I've always been, I've always been the kind of like six hours of sleep. I'm pretty good. Um, I've never really been an eight to nine hours of sleep kind of guy ever since I was like 13. So that doesn't bother me as much. Um, the way it's set up at our house, um, I have my kind of painting area, my painting desk and, and just kind of my, my hobby room. Uh, and then room though is a desk. And so my, and where my wife does her craft projects or whatever she's working on, um, not Warhammer, but just whatever it happens to be. Um, so she'll sit up here. We'll listen to podcasts together or, um, at least be in the same room with each other, kind of talking to each other while I'm painting. Um, and you know, now that the kids are a little older, it's a little easier. Like in the afternoon, I can give them, you know, their little Kindle fire, uh, Amazon tablets and they can, you know, do educational games or whatever, watch, you know, Blippy or whatever they want to do, uh, you know, for an hour or two while I'm, while I'm painting in the afternoon. Uh, but it's just, it's, it, you have to make it like it, it, you have to make it a priority. You have to make it like what you do. So like I joke with other people, they're like, Hey, have you seen this movie? And I'm like, no, <laughs> Hey, have you read this book? No. You know, cause if I'm sitting in one place and I have the time to sit in one spot for four hours and read a book, I'm going to go paint. Well, I guess you know? um, so, I have a question about that. Cause yeah. um, I recently, while I'm painting, I'll sit in. So for the, for example, the heresy books, I've been right. uh, buying the audio books and just yeah. as I'm painting, sitting, listening or watching battle reports or, you know, do you ever kind of do that um, as well? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I went all the way through the Horse Heresy series. Whoa. Uh, my Audible is <laughs> my Audible is uh, well, I skipped I skipped a few books, but okay. Battle of the Abyss is terrible. Don't listen. Don't read it's it. It's still like what, um, forty books. <laughs> uh, no, I mean fifty, like fifty-seven. Oh. I probably read fifty of them, wow. and then the whole Solar War series, and you know Eisenhorn. I mean mm. a lot. Yeah, I've read a lot of 40k books. Uh, listen to, but um, <laughs> yeah, so Audible is definitely clutch uh, for me. It's hard for me. It was hard for me for a long time to have anything visual going on while I was painting because mm-hmm. I would like get distracted and I would be like, "Oh, I like this part of this movie," and then I wouldn't paint for ten minutes, and then I would go back to painting. You know, right? Uh, versus Audible, where I can just sit there and I just listen to 40k or or it's almost always 40. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I think not it's like to, that you know, for John, all of us, to be honest. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm not listening to, you know, John Adams and, uh, in painting 40 K, but, um, good book. Though, but <laughs> so I read all of Les Mis. <laughs> right. It's, it's funny because like, I, it's, that's a hard question for me to answer because I, there's not balance in my life in that, in that way, mm. um, because 
I do Patreon. I, so I, there are nights that I film um, where I can't, you know, I'm not interacting with anybody. It's just me in, in here filming. Um, there are afternoons when I'm, or evenings when I'm doing one-on-one tutoring with, with Patreon, uh, with supporters. And again, that's just me in the room. Um, or I'm painting in the kids come in every 10 minutes and ask me for something. And, you know, I feel like I didn't get anything done. So do they like your um, models? Like, are they interested? Yeah, they, they love it. They, they think it's so cool. And, uh, they're way too young to like play. Okay. Um, I think we're, we're, I think, I think the recommended age for something like shade spire is like eight. Mm -hmm. So we're close. We're close. Um, almost there <laughs> almost i had him but I, I mean like i had him help me help me out with some terrain um like a couple weeks ago we've sat down and uh you know they'll paint you know they give you like storm casts when you go into the gw store right. and stuff like um we'll sit down and paint models together and they and they have a they have and uh it's it's funny my my son my son's so, He's just he's just a very positive like happy kid and he's and he's like the most supportive kid in the history of the world. So like I'll be painting and uh, he'll walk up next to my chair and go, "Wow, Dad, that looks really great. I really like what you did there." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, thanks, bud. <laughs> like that's that's so nice." Uh, he's like, "And I pooped." You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, also it's, it's just balance, right? So, um, but no, it's. So there's no balance. Like I, I, I enjoy going fishing, right? Fishing is a lot of like background prep, like the night before, right. or the week before, where am I going? Kind of packing up all the stuff and taking the kids and doing all that. So, you know, but I'm oh, like, I'm always feel like I should be painting or I should be recording or I should be doing something. So, um, I don't carve out as much time. Like I don't have three hobbies or two hobbies, mm. right? I have the one right. and it's just what I do. So, um, you know, there are nights when that's all I do. I just paint. There are other nights, maybe I paint for a couple hours and my wife and I watch a movie or something. Uh, there are nights, you know, I certainly take nights off and, you know, my wife, I make dinner and, and hang out or whatnot. Um, you know, with COVID, I used to go out and, and see friends. Um, (laughs) (laughs) people are, that's a thing, you know, (laughs) that's off the table. So, um, at least in my state, but it so it's one of the one of the things that i learned is it's like with uh with having a game night or league night or something and what i always tell people is like you know we our league night when it was happening was on thursday nights and so that was just what i did on thursday nights right thursday nights i was going to league did i go every league no but when i'm trying to schedule something or my wife's trying to schedule something if there's the option to schedule it on another night of the week, she would schedule it on another night of the week, or I would schedule it on another night of the week. Because if you try and do it like all a cart every week, it would never happen because right. something always comes up, especially with kids and, and just family and everything. Right. Whereas if that's just kind of what I do, then it's a lot easier to say, I'm just not going, I'm not going to go to league this week. We have X and Y to do, or I don't feel like it or whatever it is. It's way easier to do that than it is to figure out how to make it, you know. So with the same thing with painting, you know, it's it's just what I do. I record on, you know, at these paint on these nights. I'm not going to paint on like, you know, let's say Friday 
Friday night, I'm going to take off Monday night. I'm going to take off, you mm-hmm. know, and then my wife and I'll do stuff for, um, so it's, it's a lot of communication with my wife. It's a lot of lost sleep. Um, but I love it. I mean, it's just, it's, I, I'm very lucky that I haven't burnt out. Right. Like I've, I've, yeah. I've never burnt out in eight years. Do you think, you know? like, I guess, you know, projection, it doesn't seem like you're going to now that you've kind of found, uh, you know, some sort of system <laughs> that works for you. So, no, I don't, I, I there are times <laughs> when there, there, there have been times when I'm like, man, I don't want to paint, but I really want to build that <laughs> thing over there, <laughs> you know, like there's always something. So, yeah. um, and there are, of course, times when I'm like, God, I'm tired of painting the squad. I want yeah. the squad to be done. Like, I just, I don't want to look at this anymore, you know, but, um, you know, there's enough, there's certainly enough to do in the hobby. There are enough different kind of things to explore that I don't think, I don't think I'll ever burn out. I mm. think, um, I think one day, you know, it'd be, it'd be nice to, you know, have a re- regular paycheck and, and have my evenings free, uh, or most of my evenings free to kind of do whatever I want to do. Um, but with, you know, coronavirus and everything, like I'm going to be homeschooling our kids for the next year and doing Patreon and commissions. It's be fortunate that I started this whole mess happened yeah. and that I have that flexibility. Um, so just grateful and you know i'm just going to be very, very tired for the next <laughs> for the next year but i never but i never run out of ideas and i never run out of things that i want to work on and um you know as i've gotten older uh one of the things that has been uh really important to me is writing down the idea mm. and then like i have a notebook it's just full of ideas like i want to do a gene stealer cult army that's converted to be like imperial cult but using Gene Steeler cult rules, but like they're just this weird, like Blanchitsu style kind of imperial, like ragtag backwater kind of messed up. But it's <laughs> like cool, the yeah. idea, the, yeah, the idea is like it's, it's a group that like Sisters of Battle would show up and just like absolutely flame everybody for being like mutants and heretics. <laughs> but they think that they're like the most loyal sons of the emperor because. <laughs> Because like they, it'd be like they, you know, were brought to compliance and then just kind of forgotten about for like <laughs> thousands of years. Like they pay their taxes or whatever, but like nobody goes to the planet. They don't have any contact with the ecclesiarchy, so they just have like this emperor is and what the imperium is and this thing that they're supposed to pray to and like worship. But it kind of gets all fucked up because they don't really have a point of reference. Yeah. So in their minds, they're like they're all for the emperor and the Imperium. They're like, yeah, like, this is great. They does. Right. And then, but if anybody from the Imperium actually went to the planet, they would just be like, look at these assholes and just kill everybody, (laughs) you know? So it's that kind of like 40 K, but it's a fun project, but I write it down. I, I, I don't buy the models. (laughs) I stop (laughs) buying the models for it. Well, that probably helps with, um, cause I know, you know, a concern for everyone is, and something I do myself is like, I see a model, I have an idea for it. Yeah. Um, and usually my ideas are uh, more, you know, tactical based. So um, I'll like look at the 
data sheet and be like, oh, I can do cool things with that on the table. And then I'll buy it. And, <laughs> you know, right now yeah. I have drawers and I have an empty dresser or I did at the beginning of COVID. <laughs> um, yeah. It's filled with it's boxes. Natural. <laughs> it's natural. It's so fun. It's such a fun part of the hobby is having those ideas and kind of making them happen. Yeah. Right? Like that's such a rewarding part of the hobby. And, and it took me probably like six to get to the seven years to get to the point where I'm like, okay, I don't have to buy it right now. Right. I can buy it in two months. Like this, this army's not going. Like jeans are called bottles. It's not going, going anywhere, anymore, right? So, but it was really hard for me. I had I had like a Warhound Titan in bags for like two years because yeah. as I really wanted one, I at a certain point I bought one, but <laughs> it's tough because being a commission pan in it. And so I was like, I can't take a week and a half off work to paint this thing. So it just never got painted. It just sat there and sat there and sat there. And I got another idea. And um, one of the best things I did was was purge a lot of those projects and really focus down on, you know, okay, I play Blood Angels in 40K. I play Night Haunts in Age of Sigmar, even though I don't really play Age of Sigmar. <laughs> I have Night Haunts for Age of Sigmar. Theoretically. Um, yes. And... Oh no, I have like 2500 points in that. Oh my. Oh no, I have an, I have a full <laughs> army at night. It's funny um I just bit the Age of Sigmar bullet so to speak and it was Night Haunts as well for me so <laughs> they're the I like they are the coolest models yeah. and like the airbrushing you can get a lot out of those models in a pretty short amount of time and that was one of the things that attracted me to them was yeah. like oh I can paint this on the side. Um, and but like, I was still sorry. Oh, it's an incredible model. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's also the biggest dick I've ever read in any of the lore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Um. Yeah. He's. But I mean, I like. I almost jumped on Ossiarch Bone Reapers because mm. those guys are really cool. Yeah. I really almost jumped on uh, Luminous Realm Lords because I think the battle cattle are hilarious and just just battle cattle the the Moo Mountains. Um, no, the cow. I don't. You gotta look them up. But uh, <laughs> no, they were. I'm, I'm looking them up as we speak. That that sounds up my alley. Yeah, on, they're sorry. like cow wraith knights with mountains on their shoulders. I guess it'd be like the best way to describe them. <laughs> uh, Found my army. <laughs> they're just so they're so awesome. Um, almost bit almost bit on those guys, but like at at my age of four, uh, 38, I'm like, okay, I can buy these in six months if yeah. I really want them. And what I identified was it it's not really about like owning the models for me. It's about like figuring out the that puzzle. Mm -hmm. So like, how am I going to paint the armor? How am I going to paint the cloth? How am I going to paint the headdresses and about the rocks and what about the cows and what about basing and you know like that that whole process for me is is a fun puzzle to figure out because I'm I figured it out for my blood angels like there might be individual things that come up but on a whole I know exactly how I'm going to paint everything else that I'm going to add to my blood angels for the most part I know how I'm going to paint the gold I know how I'm going to paint the black I know how to paint the red and like blah 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 and uh, basing's done done so figuring out that puzzle for me is what drives those purchases, right? So I'm like, okay, I don't need the purchase to figure out the puzzle. And that was kind of a breakthrough for me. But I still, I mean, I still have like 500 points of sisters 
in the closet. <laughs> like, <laughs> just like, hey, I'm, I'm like, thirty percent of the way through this Blood Angels army. What's next? <laughs> you know? like, yeah, I only I, have, I only have eight thousand points to go. Like, <laughs> piece I, of cake. I have a drawer right now of about two twenty five hundred points of thousand suns that i kind of on a whim was like yeah i want to play them so (laughs) i know the feeling um yeah my problem personally is i can't stand building models um i just hate it so (laughs) sometimes yeah it's a weird it's not weird yeah people don't like building models (laughs) i mean sometimes you know like um for example I just bought that box of Centurions, and I yeah. wanted those models for a long time because I actually uh, really in- enjoy them. I don't know, but <laughs> um, when I came home, like I went, I got them at a ho- hobby shop. So I got came home and immediately, you know, built them, and they were done that day. So yeah, uh, I guess it just depends on your inspiration, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's just when you're in that, when you're in the groove, you're in the groove. Right, yeah. And uh, that actually leads me to a question that I know that I have. Um, So, for those of us who aren't necessarily totally committed to the painting all the time. um, Yeah. I have, you know, personally, I have a problem where I just can't bring myself to paint. Um, So... My question is, you know, what are some techniques for you when you're feeling, you know, exhausted like that? Mm. Um, <laughs> there's an oomph there. It's just like not to not to sound like a dick, but like it's rare. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. No, you don't. I uh, get it. But <laughs> I mean, I'm a very, I'm a very like, okay, time to go paint. And I yeah. sit down. And I start painting. And it's just, it's just kind of what I do um, for p- whom painting, but a lot of that is because it, you know, it's my job. Right. So I, I time to go to work, yeah. you know, and, and I don't always love going to work. Um, you know, there's like, God, I don't want to do this. You know, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to paint these guys, but That's once how I, I feel about this, whole armies. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's if it's you know it's a hobby right Right. so like you don't you know just take the night off if you're really like grinding on it that bad just just take the night off but um some of the things some of the things that i do that really help me are like staying organized uh having my paint station organized and having my workspace organized um i'm a pretty organized guy in general so that's kind of just a natural aspect of that. But if I, if I can just sit down and like the models are there, my paintbrushes are there, my water's there, my palette's there, you know, I can just sit down, grab a paint and like go, mm-hmm. then it's a lot easier for me than if I'm like getting in the case. Okay. What am I going to paint? Am I going to work on this? Okay. What paints do I need? Okay. Those are over here. And Oh, Oh, now I got to change my water. And then it's just so much of a pain in the ass. I don't even want to do it. Right. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I know the feeling. (laughs) So, so kind of having those, um, having those things kind of lined out before you even sit down to paint, um, is something that really helps me. But also one of the things that 
motivates me is kind of benchmarks and just benchmarks in painting in general. And for me, the benchmark used to be like painting the black base rim, right? That was like the payoff. That was like, if I can just get to there, I'll be super happy. It'll be done, you know, chalk up another unit and, you know, move on to the next. And then, but it's like that slog to get to that started getting like, you know, really challenging. Mm -hmm. You just spend that, you spend so much time in that middle zone, right? Of like, God, this all looks like crap. (laughs) <laughs> that that you just get into that base room just seems forever away. So what I try to do is I try to sit down and go, okay, tonight I'm going to, or like today what I want to get done is I want to highlight the trim on these guys and, you know, edge highlight five guys, three guys, or whatever it is, you know, and then just shoot for that and not think about the whole squad and not think about everything that I need to do for the squad. And even if it's just 30 minutes a night or 45 minutes a night and you get, you know, the the base coat and wash done on swords, you know, mm-hmm. you're you're that much closer. And you put it down, you go watch a movie, you go out to dinner, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But you're like that much closer to getting it done and it's something that I've employed um with my Blood Angels army, which I've painted, I don't know, 5,000 points since like March. <laughs> oh my. Um, it's pretty much since COVID. Um, it's got pretty, like mid March. Yeah. On top of like the other projects that I've finished. But um, part of that is just because I, I love painting them, but part of it is, has been like a mental health thing for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Like I, I can't, I couldn't, there's just so much stress and so much going on with the kids and like everything. I couldn't just sit and grind every single day and then sit down and paint and grind, you know, like I had to have an outlet. And so that's been my outlet. But what I do is like, I'll be painting for commission, painting for commission. And then maybe the last half hour of the night, I'll, I'll have a little blood angels thing off to the side and I'll be, I'm just going to, I'm going to base coat the metallics on guys and then put them aside. And then, okay, well, I'm, I'm working with null oil. I'll just null oil these guys. And like <laughs> incrementally over a week and a half, you know, the dreadnoughts go from just airbrush base coat to, okay, the metallics are done. The gems are done. The gold is done. Um, you know, now it's transfer time and now I'm actually, and I can strike, I close a unit out. Yeah. You know, so it's just it's reinforced that kind of incremental progress, because um, usually when I paint, like I just go at it hard until it's done. Um, but if I only did that, you know, it it's not that's not always like desirable. Right. right? Like I can't just be like, oh, I'm going to sit down and paint nine centurions until they're finished. <laughs> you know, it's welcome like, to oh, my God. ninth army. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So that can be really challenging. Yeah. But if you just sit down and go, okay, I'm going to paint the trim on three centurions, that sounds a lot better. Right. You know, so you can go, oh, I can do that. And then once you do that, you're like, well, I can do a couple more. You know, because like for me, once I get painting, it's like, okay, now I'm, now, you know, now I'm, now I'm painting. Now I'm doing yeah. <laughs> so it's just getting over that initial kind of mental hurdle where you're like, like, man, this, this is just like this too much, 
yeah. you know, like I just, I just can't, I just don't want to tackle this tonight. Definitely. And, um, or what I, you know, or I'll have like a single, I have a lot of single characters, you know, just sitting around and I'll be like, ah, oh, just, I'll poke at this guy for an hour, yeah. you know, and just, and, and so it's, I think motivation, but it's also, I think I tie that into efficiency, which is really my, has been my, one of my biggest focus. Mm-hmm. Well, you kind of have to, I guess, you know. <laughs> yeah. Efficiency is, is, has a high reward ceiling for me. Um, <laughs> so the more, more efficient I am, the more money I make. So, right. uh, so being efficient is, is really important. Um, and just to, to touch on, I want to call back all the way to the new painter thing. Sometimes you may not notice new painters might not notice like there's quote unquote skill improving. You might say, well, there's not a huge difference between this model and the model I painted two months ago, but you, but you probably painted a lot faster than you did a couple months ago, Mm. you know? So efficiency is another metric to measure your progress by. Um, Cause there were, there was a long time where I felt like I wasn't getting any better at painting. Yeah. And like two years. <laughs> and I thought, I'm like, I'm not getting any better, but I bang this stuff out really, really quick. You know, like I can bang out this quality of model really efficiently. And that's good. Right. But like, you know, it'd be nice to feel like I'm getting better. And then it was only when I started doing the Patreon and started really focusing in on tutorials. Like, okay, how do I actually do this? Like, it's not just muscle memory. Like, I have to explain how I do all this stuff. So, and that's when I noticed actually kind of take take a little jump when i got more intentional but um efficiency is is uh is something that is a kind of main focus um and there are things like if you're sitting down to airbrush i don't know do you guys both airbrush one of you airbrush I don't, yeah. <laughs> no i airbrush okay I, so like yeah. if you're sitting down to airbrush like when i sit down to do uh like say the armor base coat just basic armor base coat on my blood angels i grab like 20 30 guys or i'll grab like 20 guys and five characters or whatever whatever i have built like i'll grab and airbrush the armor and put them back on the shelf and that way if i do kind of if i don't feel like painting those death, like, yeah, those death company intercessors turned out great. I couldn't be happier with them. They were, they took forever to paint. <laughs> to paint. Like, but in that time, I also kind of worked on some dreadnoughts. I worked on a couple characters. I, you know, did a couple other things because I had things for my army that were at a point where I could kind of pick at them and I could kind of butterfly a little bit. If that makes sense. So, but it's, climb that mountain of, well, instead of like base coating metal on this guy, I'm going to get my airbrush out. I'm going to do all this stuff, you know? So, um, so that's another thing that I don't know the question, but yeah, that's, that's excellent. Um, I do plan <laughs> on buying an airbrush. Um, once I move back to Connecticut and we get a yeah. studio going. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good tool. It's like any other, any other tool it's a bit it's a for me it's the best way to increase efficiency yeah right like and, and blending looks like yeah i'm so good in love with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's it's like a bike and it's well it's not like a bike but it's it's a skill <laughs> like anything else 
you know, it's it takes time to learn, it takes time to yeah. to get the results that you want. But like, I also don't use it for things that I don't really want to use it for, if that makes sense. So yeah. like, pretty much, I use an airbrush once, maybe twice, on my models. Like, I airbrush the armor on Space Marines, and then if they have some OSL, I airbrush that. That's about it. Mm. Like, I'm not trying in there trying to airbrush faces or, you know, joints in the armor or something crazy. Like, I, I'm i cool. I can just do that with a brush. <laughs> I'm fine. Right? Like, yeah. I don't want to spend my life masking stuff. You know, it's just not that important to me. So, um, if all you ever do is armor base coats and OSL, that's great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, that's really all I do with the airbrush maybe you know and then I get into some scorching and, and stuff like that but that's just you know so it's it's not it doesn't have to be everything right yeah. it's just not a tool in the toolbox but you can get 25 guys base coated in a night yeah which is nice I uh I remember one quote from the battle host about um and I at this point all three of us are kind of uh like we bit the bullet of 40k <laughs> you know so to speak yeah but they were having an episode about um, newer players, and they were like, "Yeah, once you get an airbrush, you know you're you're like 40k is, you know, that's it." So. Yeah, you're you're in it. Yeah, <laughs> you're in it. At that you're, you're pot committed. Or if you to have 40k drawers of unbuilt models, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because that's another trap, right? Because you're like, "Oh, I have an airbrush. I can bang this out." In- <laughs> I'm just gonna like, buy oh. two thousand points, you know, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. <laughs> There's like yeah, a exactly. moment with a uh, airbrush that you kind of hit where it's very much so. Sorry to cut you off. I cut you off a little bit there. It's just like when you spend so much time getting used to thinning your paints yeah. and then you're like, oh, yeah, I could do this and it looks this good. And then you hit like a base coat of an airbrush. Like you just hit it on there and you see how thin an airbrush can get it. Yeah. You just kind of look at that and you're like, man, I don't I don't want to go back. Like, don't make me go right. back. Right. No, it's definitely I would I would not I would not go back. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's I'm, like died like okay, I'm ordering like I'm I need it tomorrow. <laughs> like no no, there's no there's no oh well maybe I'll replace it later. You know, this is like emergency situation. I need a needle. I need my I need my airbrush back. It's just it's too efficient for me to leave out of the toolbox at this point um there is a learning curve and they are they can be a pain in the ass and and uh they do require a lot of space they require some noise you know so you know there are challenges to just having one and using one but from a model painting standpoint the effort to output ratio is insanely high with an airbrush. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you're just doing like a base coat and light, you know, you're, you're looking good. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's worth it. I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess, uh, Corey, do you have any more questions for Colin? I think we the things I wanted to talk about were specifically the weathering, which yeah. you did in detail. So thank you for that, too. Because um, that's my personal uh, goal right now is to get slight. Well, to start weathering. 
Um, it's the I only was, way you get better, right? You know, I, it's. I wish I had. I wish I had more pictures of the models that I painted when I got back into the hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, most pictures I have, almost all the pictures I have of models are just from the last like five years since I've been doing commission painting. So I don't have. I don't have those models to be like, well, here's what this looked like when I started weathering, right. you know, yeah. <laughs> and be like, Oh my God, <laughs> you know, just, it's a blob of pigment. So it's, um, which I think is really valuable. Yeah. Right. Like I love to see people who I follow and who I look up to be like, Hey, this, here's this model from 15 years ago. And you're like, okay, you're human. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah, it sometimes um, feels like, uh, you know, with painters, that you admire that um like we've talked about this a lot i think is the whole um well i'm not good enough but seeing a picture like that i think puts things more into perspective about time and uh practice really too so and i think one of the things that um not to get too philosophical but i think i think one of the kind of not it's not dangerous but it's one of the things about the hobby being so social media focused, at least if you want it to be, mm-hmm. there's a huge, there are huge communities. Um, well, I mean, huge is relative, but there are a lot of resources online. There are a lot of communities online. Instagram is, is a really good medium for the hobby. Uh, Facebook, obviously Facebook groups, mm-hmm. uh, things like that where you can interact with people online. And I think it's, it's common outside of just more gaming and, and hobbying in general, but like people only post stuff to social media that they think looks good. Right. They don't post all the, the test schemes that look like shit on the social media. <laughs> so there's, it creates this perception that, Oh, well, you know, everything that everybody, everything that everybody paints works, right? but it's not true. What everything that everybody posts looks like it works yeah but not everything that people paint and it's a really important distinction but it's like you know people don't post to you know their personal instagram you know them and their wife yelling at each other right (laughs) like they just post the pictures from the pumpkin patch and move on yeah you know so it's it's um it's really important to me to um acknowledge that you know i do the same thing right i don't post like if if i paint something and i'm like yeesh <laughs> this is, no i'm not like oop gotta put that on the gram right. you know, <laughs> hashtag that puppy up let's get going you know it's um it's it's a natural instinct to just be like okay well i'm not gonna share it right you know but it's important it's like like on my page when I film tutorials, I film them live and I put my thing at the, my intro at the beginning and I put my end at the end and I post them. Mm. I hate video editing and it takes me forever. So, <laughs> you know, and the other part of that is because I make mistakes in my tutorials. I make mistakes when I'm painting my airbrush claw or, <laughs> you know, I rub paint off with my finger or, you know, I, I slip and stab somebody's face with, you know, a brush full of metallic paint or something, <laughs> you know, it's just, 
it happens yeah you know or i've had i've had times when like i pull off a liquid mask and it just pulls off like three layers of paint and i almost cry you know it's <laughs> like it's like oh god damn you know but the valuable part of that in i think in that context is okay well that just happened how now what do i do like how do i fix this how do i yeah. come back from this how do i fix this part of the model or how do you know what do i do when my airbrush is clogging like this okay well here's what I do to clean it out and keep painting and then I'll do a deep clean later. Or, you know, it's just that happens all the time. I don't care how good of a painter you are, but what hap- but what, what people do is they, you know, I'm going to edit this tutorial. I'm going to knock it down to the 12 minute YouTube clip. Mm-hmm. I'm going to voice over it like, Oh, this blend didn't work. I'll just refilm it. And then we'll just edit it in where I do that blend from there. And, and you know, it's just that's that's what people expect, and that's I think it's natural to want to put out a polished, finished, you know, complete product. Yeah. And you know, just I just sit down and paint, you know, and shit happens when you paint, and stuff right. goes sideways, you yeah. know, and and it's something that if you're if nobody tells you or if you're not experienced in, in kind of getting out of those holes, it can derail a whole it can derail a whole squad. I mean yeah. you can you can have a an ink mishap or a wash mishap or an airbrush you ruin two out of five guys in the squad and now you put the squad on the shelf and then it just makes you sad when you look at them <laughs> and you don't want to pick them up and you're like you know, then they're on barter town and you're just like, you know, sorry guys, you didn't you didn't make the cut like oh man, you got nerfed. <laughs> like partially painted here we go you know so it's um it could when really out the clog and just kind of push through it's maybe not that hard of a fix yeah. right so but if if you never see that if you're new to painting and you just and you're always people's you know pretty work in picture work in progress and you're seeing people's you know you're watching your tutorial and the guy just lays down these perfect well the, lines every that time. joke with the uh you know the whole um the, community the joke about two thin oh. coats like duncan yeah yeah, yeah. Um. you put two thin two coats of yellow on something duncan and then come talk to me yeah like <laughs> you know come on man so um so i think it's really important for people to understand that like really good painters make really stupid mistakes Mm. or like, or the painters act weird. I mean, I'm trying to paint these like desert camo impulsors. And I think there's some interaction with the, the color, the paint that I use for the base coat and anything that I use for the mid tone, it just makes this weird drying spider webbing thing. And I remember it happening on the first two, but I forgot it when it came film the tutorial for it. And so I'm filming this tutorial and the paint's just like, and I'm like almost in tears because, you know, I like, I like to look like I know what I'm doing when, (laughs) when I'm making a video tutorial and this thing's just like going sideways, but you know, it happens. It's not, it's not all just like, Oh, I'm going to pick up an airbrush golden demon. No problem. You know, it's, it's a learning curve for everybody. And it's, and it's hard. Yeah. Like this is is hard. This is like one of the hardest hobbies you could you could pick. Yeah. Not you know scaling mountains or something. All of it too, even from the painting to the gaming takes a. It's a comp. 
like it's like the most complicated thing we volunteer to do in our spare time. <laughs> like, yeah, like Water here's relax. here's a hundred here's a two hundred page rule book. Here's a ninety <laughs> page book for your army. Here are these models that cost a fortune that you spent weeks of your life painting, <laughs> and you know here all. And then you have to drive over here. You got to set up the game. Now it's a game based on chance. And you and might you lose. That, right? <laughs> yeah. And then you get your ass kicked on turn three and you're there for 45 minutes and you're like, dude, like, oh, this was fun. <laughs> and then you drive all the pack it all up, drive it all home. And then you sit there and you watch other people play this complicated ass <laughs> for two hours. Yeah. So, like, it takes, you know, a, but I love it. I mean, yeah, it's, but it's, uh, but it's great. It's and, a certain kind of, I think, um, Maybe a little bit of insanity for. Yeah. <laughs> <you know? laughs> There's a reason I get along with like most people that play 40k. <laughs> We're like, okay, you have yeah. to buy in. Yeah, you're like the people that are you know active and they're playing and they care and and they're just they're involved and they want to know um, just what's going on with the game, what's going on with your army, you know. Like you guys asked, I mean, like, why do you play that army? Oh, this is really cool. I like this about this army. I like that. You know, people that know what's up and people that are involved in it, um, you know, it's just there's so much common ground there. And I think it does take, like, it takes a level of depth that uh, not, not a lot of people kind of give it. Mm-hmm. So when I find those people, um, you know, I'm, I'm always, I always kind of get along with them because yeah. I'm just like, hey, you know, we all kind of dig the same obscure shit <laughs> and we're all crazy enough to sit down, you know, by ourselves in these rooms and, and, you know, paint, paint plastic soldiers. So, yeah. uh, and then when I'm not painting, I'm looking at pictures of plastic soldiers. <laughs> it's funny because my wife will like, look at me and just be like, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh, I'm on this. How do you, like, I don't get it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just spent all day painting and now, and now you're, now you're out <laughs> painted. Off. I used like, okay, to, um, at my desk at work because um, I've, I've always been a little bit more attracted to the gaming aspect just uh. based on who I am. I don't know. But um, I used to just sit and craft rosters during downtime. Like I was working in yeah. <laughs> it's like inside sales and between calls, I'd be like, oh, cool. Yeah, I could add that unit and that'll sync with this. And I yeah. must have made like 40 rosters in a period of like three or four months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's a part of the game I wish I liked more. Yeah. Um, well, everyone I'm always, I'm that, has their thing, too. I'm that guy that makes his list like 45 minutes before the game, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know why this didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> like, shit. <laughs> oh, uh, that, that list was terrible. Okay, well, back to the drawing well, they board. they look nice, but, though. There uh, you go. <laughs> you know, I, have, I have friends that can't, you know, that hate painting, that, that can't paint a lick, and they just... They but they have you know spreadsheets full of you know probable wounds expected uh, mm. from a bolter firing at you know T three five up or whatever and it's just right. like dude okay <laughs> you know I get um, I tease but it's it's my friend Michael and he like plays fourth at LVO so the the spray right <laughs> but, <laughs> it paid uh, off <laughs> yeah I mean he's just but he, that's that's his jam. Right, is that's what he loves about the hobby, and so I, I like talking to him about it because he's super passionate about it. Right, mm-hmm. like he likes so that's his puzzle to solve is the list and the and the interactions. Like that's his puzzle. My puzzle is like, okay, I need to settle on a basing scheme for my blood angels, but really, this is going to be the basing scheme for every Imperium army I paint. So this needs to be a real good decision, mm-hmm. you know. It's, 
and so it's it's just different. There's just so many different, you know. And I have got I know guys that you know can tell you in what you know Armageddon campaign and stuff, and you know it's just it's all good. Yeah. You know, it all contributes to the whole. That's why I have like ninety seven thousand forty k podcasts. You know, yeah. and they all contribute something. Yeah, very true. And it's such a diverse hobby. I think people get into it um, for different reasons. And it's very cool. I, th- I think one of the, you know, maybe this is touching on 40K in general from a more, <laughs> like, deeper way of thinking. But I think, you know, like you said, when you talk to people who fit, fill or fill a, uh, like, something you don't do with the hobby you're constantly learning in this game, um, constantly evolving, um, whether you're a gamer, a painter, uh, a modeler, because a lot of people are attracted to, you know, converting and all that. But um, I think the best part about this community is you talk to someone and you're going to probably leave that conversation um, with a different perspective and knowledge about the same, you know, it's a bunch of armies, a bunch of models, like, on paper it doesn't seem too complex and then uh well we all know that's not true but (laughs) (laughs) but no but i get what you're saying like you 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 know i've had friends in this hobby for like seven years that i talk to almost every day we're we're texting about you know something we've never run out of things to talk about (laughs) in this hobby i guess there's never been a time when we're like well, I guess we talked about everything there is to talk about. <laughs> so, how's you know, how's your family? <laughs> it's, it's just you know, and it, it, so like you're still married, right? Yeah. yeah okay. Oh, um, all right. All right. So forty k. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, about Belisarius call. So uh, speaking of Belisarius call, no, um, Mike. I'm just going to say, like, my favorite little tidbit of, like, modern 40K lore, which I've been trying to catch up on uh, since kind of working through the entire heresy, but mm-hmm. um, is that he has the gene seed for all 20 leagues, which oh, yeah. Dark Imperium was, like, not great, but it had that tidbit in it, and I'll always be thankful for that. Because at the time when he was commissioned to do the Primaris project, they still had the gene seed for. 20 original legions and so he has primaris forces of all 20 legions like ready to go and Uh, gilliman just won't let him deploy 11 of them because he'd see he thinks there's a flaw in their gene seed and they can't or they like they're just not sure so like it's just the coolest thing so there's like a warhound's Legion Primaris Force. There's a Dusk Raiders Legion Primaris Force. There's like ready to go, like in vats, ready to go. And Gilliman's just like, nah. I think we're good. We might see that being stolen, probably. (laughs) Yeah, I mean something, right? But it for like from like a modeling standpoint, like my my friend Brian has 30k World Eaters, and like he doesn't want to paint 30k models but he loves the scheme and kind of a warhounds scheme but like using flesh terror rules or whatever but it just opens up like it's just this little tidbit 
in like the first book they wrote for the new like lore and the implications are just endless. Yeah. Just absolutely like the two kind of missing legions. Like somebody knows who they are and they're sitting there <laughs> like <laughs> has their gene seed. They're just hanging out in calls, you know, in calls workshop, like just hanging out waiting for the day. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. It just gives them, it gives them so much space. With, you well, know, it does, uh, you know, have you read this story? I, I've brought this up many times, but I think it's one of the best short stories. Um, and you're a blood angels player. So the, little story where he meets the silent king <laughs> i know uh, i have uh, uh dante dante meets yeah. the silent king check that one no. out yeah <laughs> it's it's very cool um and very dante-esque so yeah <laughs> made me love him more yeah that guy's that guy's a stone cold badass yeah like oh, yeah I kind of like didn't really have so the like because i never played space marines or anything i didn't really have like a deep Kind of, I mean, you know, you get through the heresy and stuff, and you're like, oh, okay, cool. And but like modern lore, like not really, not really a thing. So learning about Blood Angel, and I'm just like, God, these guys are, these guys are pretty cool. And then, <laughs> and then you read Dante or you read Devastation of Ball, and you get that like, okay, so these aren't really like just the shiny golden boys. Like there's something seriously wrong with these guys. Yeah. <laughs> Like they're, but that kind of struggle, um, and they're kind of trying to deal with that and then trying to work through it and trying to, you know, not fall victim to those kind of innate flaws, if you will. Um, so that's something that, that resonated with me too. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, just dealing with depression and, Mm -hmm. and anxiety and things like that. It's, that kind of hits a note for me as well so it's it's just kind of this whole but um but yeah getting into getting into the the kind of modern age with 40k and kind of transitioning into that with um with everything that has been has been really cool because they are moving it they are moving it Finally. like the silent king is going to be here in like six weeks yeah. right like he's going to be like on the table in six weeks so or whenever they release him in October or whatever it is. Yeah. So that's pretty rad. So I do want more Primarchs personally, but (laughs) yeah, I think everybody does. I think that, uh, from a marketing standpoint, they're probably like, we can hold onto these and release them every few years. Yeah. And like make and just sell a ton of them that we don't want to like over. But I mean, I want Primark Angron. I don't yeah. chaos anymore. I want it. I so want Primark bad. Angron. Like, I think Fulgrim's probably. I mean, you might know. So, I oh think- no, I don't know. <laughs> nope. uh, my guess is Fulgrim comes next. I think they've they've put in a lot of those little sidebar texts yeah. with yep. like Fulgrim and stuff. Um, and then they had that sidebar text with the squat thing, like in the rule book, and I was just like, shit. Mm-hmm. Like I don't like please don't like please <laughs> like just don't I don't need that well I don't need that amount yeah the emperor's children really I mean all of chaos kind of needs some work so I'd love I would love to see them do with chaos marines what they did with space marines yeah where they have absolutely. this kind of baseline codex and then they have these supplements with units and rules but they all share the same book like. 
I just think it's a great template to love, and it's such a natural thing to do with with Chaos Space at. But they, I don't know, no, because then they made Death Guard and Thousand Suns like entirely their own thing. Yeah. So, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it makes more sense to do that, and that's kind of moving towards what I think they realized when they redid Age of Sigmar or Fantasy that a lot of the things they did for Age of Sigmar have been working really well, like factions, uh, you know, death and uh, uh, chaos and uh, destruction or whatever, and then having supplements to those factions. And it seems like they're moving that way, um, at least to me, uh, which is good, I think, um, because then you could have, like, a crew supplement, maybe, and make the Tau a little bit more diverse, you know? (laughs) so um, Yeah, and I think... Yeah, it's not to just get the train completely off the tracks, but I think one of the things that Age of Sigmar benefits from is that it is a pretty static game, and it doesn't have a constant churn mm-hmm. that 40K does. Um, I think it's one makes it really attractive as like a secondary game for yeah. me. Is like I know my Nighthawks are going to play pretty much how they play. like there's not a whole lot of like change i'm sure there's a lot of meta shifts and blah 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 but um like there's just they're just pushing 40k so hard right now that you know we like the in a year we'll you'll have you'll have bought like two space marine codexes yeah right and it's like man (laughs) that's that's a lot of rules to just replace in a year you know so i'm hoping I'm hoping that it slows down, not slows down, but I'm hoping that they're just like, okay, Space Marines are cool for this edition. Like, we can pay attention to other armies now. And I play Space yeah. Marines, and I'm like, okay, guys. Yeah, like, no, but seriously, <laughs> it's all Space Marines all the time for the past, you know, year, two years, three, maybe. <laughs> it feels like, yeah. It's like, it's tough, though, as a Space Marines player, because it's like, you see all these things happen, and you, you have your Xenos friends who are like, man, when do we get in? And it's like, that's cool, man. But for me, this is great. There's oh, always yeah. that moment. Yeah, you're just like, man, this amazing. is fantastic. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> Primaris Mephiston? Like, yeah, yeah, cool. I'm down with that. I'm totally oh, yeah. fine with that. Like, Indomitus? Paid for. I'm good. I'm good. These are rad. <laughs> you know? Like, it's it's one of those things where I get what they're trying to do, and it's hard for them to do. Like, they're trying to basically out in you know 10 15 year plan or whatever phase out this line of models that has been the foundation of their business for 30 years and the most popular faction for 30 years and like i can't imagine right so but they have to like they can't release two or three kits a year they have to like pump out these kits mm-hmm. um and i'm you know i'm loving it i love i i, I have most of them <laughs> not <laughs> so, complaining yeah, but I'm cool. Like after October, I'm gonna need to like take a deep breath and and take a step back because I'm just like God. I have I have so much to have so much to paint. <laughs> but um, but October would be cool and and you know get the book and then eventually um, the Blood Angel supplement will come out and I'll be I'll be set. Yeah. You know so um, so I'm excited. I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, definitely. Um, so. I guess, uh, you know, I think I'm exhausted questions and, you know, Corey, I don't think Probably you have just any exhausted because it's like, <laughs> it's like yeah. one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I think I have 
two main questions left. And okay. they're not okay. big ones. They're very quick ones I think can cap us off in this episode. The first one is with having kids and being a devoted father and being so successful at painting, uh, what brand of coffee do you drink? <laughs> um, I just get the uh, – what is it, San, San Francisco Bay, like French roast from Costco, whatever the, like one of those big three pound bags. Yeah. From Costco. And, uh, uh, you know, I just, I feel, do a pot in the morning and just kind of drink it throughout the day. So that's the Colin Ward approved coffee. Uh, I think yeah, my second, black, just black, black coffee all day. Oh, Sanguinius man. approved. Yeah. That, <laughs> that'll hey, that'll open your eyes first thing in the morning is a hot pot hot cup of black coffee. You're like, okay, I'm awake. It's true. I <laughs> actually drink going, Daddy, only I'm black too. So hungry. Same. I feel like my duty as a Brooklynite is to like slowly send you coffee to Idaho. Yeah. And just see which ones you'll drink. Oh, I like uh, don't get me wrong. I like good coffee. Like I like I would love to get really nice coffee. But <laughs> no, it's just not. I go through so much of this stuff. Like I can't just do like, oh, I'll just get a pound of grounds and kind of nurse. No, this is like oh, I need a, I need a full pot of coffee in five minutes. Like right now, I need it just in my veins. So I'll be fully honest with you. You're getting like a bag of coffee in the mail next week. It's going to be awesome. like full cocaine. So. <laughs> um, the last question I have, and this one will cap it off for me, sure. is if I were looking to find you on the social media and the Patreon, where would be the best place to find Colin Ward? Awesome. Well, um, on Instagram, it's uh, at Legalized Mischief. On Facebook, it's uh, Legalized Mischief Productions. And that is commission painting service, and that's what the uh, Patreon is under. Uh, it's patreon.com slash legalized mischief. And uh, the Patreon is about to turn uh, one year old uh, at, the begin- at the beginning of September. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and full access to all tutorials and uh, Discord is dollars a month. Uh, I generally post between probably 10 and 18 tutorials a month, somewhere in there. I try to put up like three or four a week and um, they're all video tutorials. I don't, I don't do PDF tutorials and I just don't have time, but um, there's over, I think 150 ish, maybe more. I, I lost count. I'm terrible, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good problem to have. Yeah. There's, there's a lot. Um, there's about a, uh, probably about 150, 180 video tutorials on there. Um, and so full access to all those is six bucks a month. $10 a month will get you access to a private uh, Facebook group where post work in progress pictures or brainstorm ideas. Uh, and then I also do a weekly Facebook Live Q&A. Uh, for painting or gaming or whatever, uh, we just sit in chairs. And then um, there's also kind of uh, color scheme consultations and one-on-one private tutoring available through the Patreon as well. Uh, again, it's patreon.com slash legalized mischief. Um, there's a lot on there. There's, you know, step-by-step tutorials for a lot of different schemes. And then there's also just 
you know, stuff about edge highlighting or grayscale, um, you know, shading and highlighting, a um, lot of weathering, a lot of weathering on there, basing, display bases, uh, all kinds of stuff. So starting in September, uh, when probably around this will be belie- released, um, what I'm going to be doing is, is painting through start collecting sets. So the first one up is uh, Gloom Spike Gets. So I'll a whole front to back uh, tutorial series on, you know, picking the scheme, picking the basing, um, and then painting the different models in the box, kind of approaching army painting. Uh, and then after that, I'll be um, doing a 40K box that will be determined by the patrons. So really looking forward to that. It should be a fun series, yeah. um, fun series to do and just kind of get more into army painting. Um, and that's something that for the Patreon, I think is something that um, sets it apart from other painting Patreons uh, from a lot of them anyway is you know, there's really a focus on army painting techniques uh, versus like, let me paint the best miniature I possibly can. It is like, okay, how do I paint this model in three hours, right? Or how do I paint a squad of guys? Or um, so things like that. So that's why I think the Star Collecting series will be really good because it'll kind of go through that whole process. Here's an army painted to a, you know, a good standard. But, you know, it's this is just part of the army a hundred hours to paint this thing we want to get through it so that's really the whole focus is kind of that efficiency so cool. it's fun yeah that's awesome come check it out um and um i guess you know uh thank you so much colin for coming on tonight um of course i really enjoyed uh recording this one hour episode yeah, one hour <laughs> <laughs> um i do uh, one, uh in the one. future think we might reach out <laughs> Um, we're planning on doing some like more deeper philosophical episodes. And I think you'd have a lot to contribute about, you know, you talked about depression, anxiety, and I have those as well. So I understand that (laughs) viewpoint about, you know, the hobby helping with that. But um, thanks again for coming on and talking tonight. Um, We really, really appreciate it. Of course. Yeah. When I, when you first approached me and I went and started listening to your episodes, the, the episode where you talked about that was really, uh, was really, and I was even more like, I was like, Oh yeah, cool. I'll go on the podcast. And I, I was listening to it. And I was like, Oh man, you know, this is really, this is a really good thing. And like, it was just really cool that you talked about that. Cause yeah. I don't think enough people do. Yeah. Um, especially men yeah, and especially in a hobby that, uh, you know, it's, it's very common and it's, it's okay to yeah. just be like, sometimes I feel like shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah and, and, uh, and here's, and, and then now what, you know? Right. So, um, and how 40 so K can was, kind of, you know, help with some of your struggles. I think, you know, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And it's just about finding, but it, you know, it's about finding that thing. Right. And mm. for me, that thing is 40K. You know, yeah. for some people, that thing is knitting. Right. You know, <laughs> or I, I rock but, climb a lot too. Yeah. Um, and uh, that, you know, also has been pretty instrumental in beating back those depressive thoughts. So, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. But, um, you know, thanks again. And I think uh, Corey course. and I are going to have to walk away. I've learned a lot. So <laughs> when I, 
listening to this episode for editing now i'll be like oh yeah like taking notes so. yeah. stop asking me questions because i'll keep talking <laughs> <laughs> all right and no, with... I'm, i'd be more than happy to, to come back whenever you guys want man it's, cool. it's been a real pleasure talking to you guys and and i hope i get to talk to you again soon yeah of course um and for our listeners you can follow us at foxtrot battle line 5198 on the instagram um we're on spotify itunes uh, under foxtrot battle line and uh, maybe someday we'll have a motto that i can say at the end but for now thank you yeah absolutely thank you guys